Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Clear and Convincing, the show that looks at criminal cases from the perspective of the courts, not the court of public opinion. We're Lisa O'Brien, podcasting from New Orleans, Louisiana, where Asian swamp eels have recently been found in Bayou St. John, and Michael Carnahan from Little Rock, Arkansas, which is looking for options from Arkansas Fish and Game to control the white-tailed deer population. Uh, one of those options is to join other Arkansas cities in the urban deer hunt problem program. Thank you for joining us for episode 19, Court of Public Opinion, Part 2. We've assembled part of our panel of case watchers and researchers from Facebook, uh, including, including Adi Nicole, Meredith, and Roberta Glass, of the host of Roberta Glass True Crime Report. Tonight, we'll continue discussing some of the general claims made by advocates for people who have been convicted after a criminal trial, had their convictions upheld on direct appeal, and have, in some cases, unsuccessfully pursued state and or federal post-conviction claims. We'll also talk about some of the tactics employed by official defense investigators and Internet sleuths who demand cooperations from witnesses and or alternate suspects and use coercive tactics in an attempt to get a confession or admission of guilt. Finally, we'll talk about the extrajudicial claims, usually seen on social media platforms, but never presented to the courts. And I think we're still waiting for our our guests to call in. Um, we did get word yes, Yvonne is also under the weather today and won't be able to join us. Um and we're having some technical issues with the uh, the Skype and the phone. So I guess you and I will just chit-chat a little bit, even though you're also under the weather. Yeah, I'm just trying not to die. But, I mean, we can continue oh. our conversation earlier from whenever we uh, – from whenever right before we came on the air, if you'd like. Yeah. Um, no, we were talking about Dale Griffiths. Um I'm going to send you that opinion, and I want you to read it as it pertains just the section that pertains to Dale Griffiths. And, in fact, I'll I'll cut and paste that into its own little document for you, and right. that will explain, and it is how every court – another myth about the West Memphis Three case is that the courts in Arkansas somehow treated 
Eccles, Baldwin, and Miss Kelly differently than any other court in the country would have. And um, that had they been in another state, they would have, you know, never have even been arrested. And that's simply not true. The, the standards for expert witnesses are more or less the same across the United States, whether it's a criminal case or a civil case, because most of that is governed by a U.S. Supreme Court case called Daubert versus Merrill Dow Pharmaceuticals. There are certain criteria an expert has to meet, and having a degree from an institution of higher learning is not one of those criteria. So then, Lisa, I do want to ask you a question on that. Uh, remember I was telling you I was going through watching the OJ uh, trial again, and it was one of the uh, – I forget how they uh, – how they what the term was for the hearing, but it was pre-trial, and they were to split, the split hearing. And uh, they were trying to determine, you know, if there was sufficient DNA and so on and so forth. And I remember when right. they were talking to the DNA expert that was on the stand for the prosecution, they kept uh, asking her, where's your degree from? Are you sure you're an expert in this situation or, you know, something like that? So that's, you know, something where I was like, okay, so they can attack but, they can attack her for not having a degree, but it technically doesn't that, matter or, like, I'm confused. That it, no, no, that is a defense tactic. And that is an effort to make it appear to the court that the expert is somehow not qualified. That they did it, but that did that was that expert permitted to testify? Oh yes, absolutely. By she Judge Ito? Uh it wasn't Judge She Ito. testified at the trial. Oh, okay. If she, I mean, I'm not sure. See, this is where, and and bless your heart, I love you to death, but this is where you and Brad and Sean differ from me. I need a name. Okay. And y'all can give me an expert. (laughs) And y'all give me an expert, which in O.J. Simpson, I mean, they were Boku experts. Um. So, you know, I need a name specifically who you're talking about. And then I can go independently look and see you know what what the what the legal ruling was on that because I think OJ Simpson's documents are there's reams and volumes of them online. But yeah, I I you don't have to have a degree. Um now I'll get with a caveat. If a person is going to give medical testimony, such as a medical uh-huh. examiner or an emergency room physician or uh, an oncologist or someone, you know, a surgeon, yes, they would have to have a degree. And it would have to be from an accredited institution. Uh, and they would also have to have the. Did you mute me? When did no, you mute me? Mute you. I promise I didn't mute you. <laughs> For some odd reason, it showed you as muted, and I just wanted to make sure you were live. Oh, okay. 
All right. So I may have just been having a diatribe all by myself. Um, but, you know, you would, ha- you would have to have degrees. You would have to be licensed to practice medicine, if not in the state mm-hmm. in which you're testifying, in the state, in, some, in one state. Um, but you don't have to be board certified. Right. To be a medical expert, board certification I, is it, it's a it's an accolade. Uh, it gives you some extra initials to put behind your MD. But as right. long as you are, you are, you went through the training, you got the degrees, you went through the residency, you went through the internship, and you pass the state medical board and received a license from the state, you're still a doctor. Right. And that, that's another argument that they made, was that because Frank Beretti didn't have board certification in forensic pathology, he was incompetent to testify, which is absolutely untrue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can give you an analogy. Um, I've worked in both plaintiff and defense of medical malpractice cases. And in a medical malpractice case, if we had a client as a plaintiff that said, this doctor, you know, harmed me, we didn't say, okay, well, we can't sue him, ma'am, because he's board certified. And that means he could never do anything wrong. And if we were defending a doctor, we didn't settle the case because he wasn't board certified. Right. Like I said it's initials right. that you add to it's initials that you add behind your MD. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing, but it's not a necessary qualification. Mm-hmm. So, but, um, uh, I mean, definitely. And, and I think William like, Sterner, <laughs> William Sterner was board certified, and in fact, he was like an examiner. For the board. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in Memphis making sure that their facility met the accreditation standards. Right, right. So, you know, th- this is your, your, you're talking about some of the defense tactics that we'll hopefully be discussing soon um, if our guests are able to call in. All right, um, I'm still waiting to uh, <laughs> hear your reply. I, I haven't seen nothing yet, so. I know. Um, so, but, you know, that that's a, a standard thing is, and the prosecution could do it if the defense tries to use an expert that is, you know, iffy or seems to be testifying, like, you know, having a, uh, a an emergency room doctor come in and testify about time of death and manner of death and cause of death when right. he's a practicing emergency room physician and does not do autopsies. You know, he merely calls death when it happens in his emergency room. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, I mean, absolutely. You know, it's one of those things that you know, I, I I could certainly understand though somebody wanting to make sure that everybody had all the qualifications available. You know, all the qualifications. Well, needed you know, again, but there's there's that that's like I said, I'll send you the the information on Griffith and under Arkansas law according to the Arkansas State Supreme Court he was qualified to give the testimony that he gave right and you know the the jury in a, in any trial it's up to the jury to decide which witnesses they believe and which witnesses they don't believe jurors can and they're instructed that they can believe some, all, or none of the testimony of any witness. And as I recall from the juror, that butcher paper that the jurors made their um, deliberation notes on, right. none of them actually put much weight or stock into Griffith's testimony. Mhm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Part of me sits here and thinks like, I wish this case had happened in today's times, uh, or maybe even you know, two thousand. Like, I legitimately wish that they wouldn't have taken the Alford plea because. I believe, I forget who it was, the gentleman who I believe was the state attorney at the time, uh, who had a press conference afterwards, and they showed it here on Paradise Lost. He was like, the reason why we took this deal, which, you know, they did say that it was the defense that offered the Alfred Lee and brought it up. But uh, they said, you know, the reason why we took this deal is because, you know, unfortunately we believe that, they could find some way to, there is a small chance, but they could find some way to get acquitted. But, um, right. But, and know, that's, you know, that's my yeah, argument. I want to know how their cha- case mm-hmm. would change if they would keep the my, same approach and try to win again that way. My argument with Ellington has always been that he should have waited until after the new trial hearing. If Judge Laser ordered a new trial and he wanted to propose some sort of plea deal, because if Judge Laser had ordered a new trial, the prosecution could have started testing evidence that was untested by the defense. They could have tested the T-shirt. They could have tested the necklace. They could have tested any uh, samplings from the T-shirt and the necklace that had been taken in 1990, and with today's DNA methods, they probably would have gotten DNA from one or both. And if the DNA on that T-shirt turned out to be Michael Moore's, game over. Right, absolutely. And if also the DNA on the necklace turned out to be Steve Branch, double game over. 
Eccles would have gone back to death row. Right. And that's the thing. I wish we could have this clear-cut answer, but, you know, now we're still – Michael, Michael, the defense would not test the T-shirt or the necklace and prove that the blood did not belong to Michael or Steve. They would not do it. They never asked to do it. Yes, ma'am, and we finally got a panelist on here, Miss Meredith. Oh, thank Hello. goodness. Hello. Hi. Hello, how are Meredith. You? Can you hear me? Pretty good. Excellent. Yes, how are I you can guys? hear you. Pretty good. Michael's a little under the weather. I'm sorry to hear that. And I have yeah, I have been pontificating. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna remain silent. Fair enough. I hope you feel better soon, hon. Thank you. So, and ironically, Meredith, we were just talking about the West Memphis Three DNA. Oh, very fascinating. Um, and so, um, at least until we have the rest of the panel and we'll move on with the themes. Um, what are your, you know, what are your impressions, thoughts? What have you uncovered? in researching the DNA well, in I, the West Memphis 3 case? There's a tremendous, you know, you hear supporters say there's really not a lot of evidence in this case, but there was a tremendous amount of stuff they sent out for testing, and it's pages of evidence lists. Um, but when you go back, you know, what's interesting is that in 2011, it's difficult to see what exactly was sent out for testing by the defense, and... I'm looking for the uh, the exact status report as we're speaking, though. But at, the okay. order was given by the judge in, I want to say, April, and the defense had 90 days to test it before they gave the results back to the court. What ended up happening was in July they gave two status reports, um, and on one of them the only thing that came back was that there was animal hair and nothing really on Michael Moore's clothes, but they never reported back on the other two clothes, sets of clothes. And what was more interesting was when you look through the DNA results throughout the years on the ligatures of the boys, especially Stevie Branch, they found skin cuticles. Um, In the 90s, they weren't able to pinpoint that DNA. But as of July, I want to say 27th, the cuticles on the skin cuticles for DNA testing were still in progress and that never came back. So, right. And that was July 27th. They were supposed to have given the results to the court by then, but the defense asked for a delay claiming that there was a staff change in Bodie labs and they weren't able to do all the testing within the 90 days. Um, and there's also a number of items that were just returned to the state and were never tested, and they don't explain why. They just say in the status report right. it was, this piece of evidence was returned back to the state. Um, right. But what's more interesting is that it's almost as if the defense has free reign here to do whatever they wanted. And because what happened was it appeared Ellington wasn't really that familiar with the case. So when they were submitting all these evidence lists to be tested, 
nobody on the state was challenging it, saying, oh, well, this should be tested as well, and really going through the list of what would be important and what wouldn't be. So the defense was mm-hmm. able to easily able to write the narrative of exactly what's going on here. Um, then we get to the end of July. The status report says um, the ligatures are still in progress. Then we get to August 19th, where we all know what happened then with the Alfred plea. Ellington right. goes on a press conference, says, I'm still waiting for the re- results from uh, Bodie Labs. And what's interesting is people seem to think that the state put in for the testing and the state can release it. They can't. Damien Eccles' Correct. attorneys, Damien Eccles, are the only people that have access to that because they paid for it privately and it's his property. So the state Correct. can't get access to it. So Correct. at the end of July, an article comes out. Scott Ellington is still saying, I'm waiting for the results to come back. A couple months later, they're still waiting. But that September should have been when the depositions were happening. So all their experts, including people from the lab, should have been deposed in September, but they were able to skip all of that. Correct. Um, Which all, and also all results of testing would have been in. And did you notice on the um, the results that were released, uh, the analytical reports were like fifth report, third report, seventh report. I want to know what report one, report two, report four, report six said. Yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff missing from Callahan. Uh, yeah. Well, no, no. I, I think um, I think actually, Meredith, it's not missing from Callahan. The defense never made it public. Yes. Um, well, see, so, it was but one of the things that's missing from Callahan is the court order of exactly what was going to be tested by Bodie Lab. That's just not on Callahan. And okay. wh- whoever uploaded this was very smart, and it appears that the whole story is there, but it's not. So what's interesting? Well, is now I have to know, say, as wait, wait a second, Meredith. I have to say, as one of the people who was involved in gathering documents for Callahan, one of many people, um, the volume of material. It may be that it's not in a court record because the defense never filed it, so we would well, not they, have access to it to load it on Callahan. Well, the judge's uh, order. The order they may record. have. Right. We had just what was public record. If it's in the defense files, but it was never filed with the court. And I think, as I recall, there was an order in like 2004. But over the course of time, there was additional negotiation. Yes. And nothing was was filed in the court. It was by agreement of both parties. And nothing was actually filed into the court record. So, again, if you can get Ellington to produce his entire file, that would be wonderful. But it's probably yeah, not going to happen. And I'm sorry I, to be a little bit – I'm reading as I'm talking to you. But um, uh-huh. I'm looking at the the judge's order from March 14, 2001. And on that date, the judge gives them 90 days from that date. Right. Um, and the what should be here, because it's public record, is what 
the defense and prosecution agreed on to be tested, and that should be in the record. It's not. It's public access. We should be able to access it. It's just not on Callahan. Um, so what happens is then you have to go around and sort of peek through to see other discussions they had about the evidence, and they speak in general uh-huh. terms. And all three boys were tested. Um, I have this here. Yep. And they agreed in another document, it talks about how the skin cuticles from the ligatures should be te- are going to be tested, and they are. Um, but uh-huh. they are in progress. They never released those specific evidence. That seems to be the part where the defense doesn't want to release to the public and when the Alfred plea comes. Um, right. But they did a series of testing. They did testing at the time of the trial. They did testing in... Um, 2005, I want to say, and then again in 2011. And the 2005 right. testing was that whole mess with uh, the stepfather. Correct. And um, in reality, one out of every 30 people matched that hair. But when they did further testing in 2011, it t- turned out not to be his. Um, but... What they were able to do here is manipulate the information that came out like nothing I've ever seen. And, um, right. What they did that was well more again, and I'm this is this is what um in order to get the court records, you have to go to the court courthouse in Jonesboro. Yeah. They're electronic now, but they're not available online. Are Are you heading down there? No, I am uh I'm in Louisiana now. We should uh it would be I think it would be very interesting to see if we were able to access exactly what was tested in 2011, I think you could see exactly where the problematic evidence was. Right. Well, now and, I'm looking, like I said, I'm looking on the um Arkansas does have some dockets online. And I'm looking at the new trial, um, the new trial claim, and I don't see any DNA testing orders on that docket. Let me look at the original criminal cases. Um, And this is another interesting thing that I wanted to bring up, that... um, because the public was giving them a hard time about where are the DNA test results, we want to catch, quote-unquote, the real killer. Um, what the defense did, which was pretty tricky, was there was a letter written by an expert, I want to say in the end of 2011, 2012, that supporters point to, that make it appear that um, a doctor reviewed all the test results and that none of the West Memphis 3's DNA came back on it. When you look at right. him closer, he doesn't actually work for the lab. He just lives Correct. in Virginia. So the defense Correct. gave him a very specific set of results. He didn't review the entire results. Correct. And when you look at it at first sight, it looks like their DNA wasn't on anything until you realize, oh, he didn't get the full results. He only saw the right. specific results for specific things that the defense wanted. So that was a way for them to distract from where are the ligatures. <laughs> Where is the DNA from the ligatures? Why can't we see that? Right. And that sort of just goes missing. So I think on the ligatures, especially Stevie Branches, it seems that Damien Eccles' DNA was found on that. 
And my reasoning behind this is because if it wasn't found on it, those results would have been released. If the results couldn't find anybody's DNA, that doesn't hurt or help them. The only way you wouldn't release them if you were Damien Eccles is if one of the three's DNA was on it. And the ligatures specifically as of July 25th, 2011, were still in progress. And we just never got the results from that back. Right. So I'm looking on the different dockets, and I think what happened was that there was private agreement between the attorneys that was not filed with the court, and that can be done. Um, And I think one of the status reports does mention an agreement. I found a report somewhere that talks about the evidence that would be tested in a more general way. Um, and I'm trying to see what year this so, is from. I just, I just want to say, I, I don't think anybody on Callahan is doing anything nefarious or hiding oh, I, anything. Oh, absolutely. I Have think it's seen? just whatever, whatever supporting documentation has not been obtained. I would tend to agree with you, with the exception of Don Nam's statement, which appears that it was a picture taken about 50 feet away from the document and at a 45-degree angle, so you could barely read it. Again, that was actually people who just, and that was just people who were incompetent and didn't know what they were doing. Well, were they? And there were a lot of those people. For damning statements against the West Memphis Three, because anything good for them is taken dead on and easy to read. Look at right. uh, Damien Eccles' therapist notes from May 5th. 60% of that is cut off. And, again, taken from three feet away and at a 45-degree angle. No reasonable person. Well, no, no, no. Now, hey, wait, wait a second. If there are problems with, uh, if there are problems with Exhibit 500, I got that document. I went to Bre- Brett Davis's office. Is that right? Picked up a copy, brought it to Kinko's. And had it copied and then returned the original Brent Davis's office. And then I scanned on an old scanner one page at a time and then converted them. So that if there's a problem with notes, and there's a lot of repetition within Exhibit 500. Yeah. So the notes for May 5th are probably in other places. And if I can find a good copy, it might have been a problem when I was scanning. The one that you're no, talking about. Send me the one you're it. talking about. Because send the one you're talking about. I will. I definitely will. And, and it's from, he went, Damien Eccles, the morning of May 5th, went to, I, I think it was just uh-huh. a general therapist. And Correct. they wrote notes. And in the notes, because you can only on Callahan make out about 40% of it. And it talks about how he's a danger to himself and possibly others. And there's more uh-huh. detail in that, but it's cut out of the frame. And I can actually go back and see what page of Exhibit 500 it is and let you know. And I'd love to see that because that talks about his mental state that day. And if uh-huh. you read Exhibit 500, he progressively throughout that year is becoming more dangerous, more removed from reality, and more violent. And yeah. to get the therapist notes from the morning of that day, I think are invaluable. Yeah. 
except they're mainly cut off. <laughs> and I just noticed so, no, I, um, anything that's good for them, I'm, for whatever reason, is taken perfectly. But the statements that aren't great for them seem to be taken from three feet away in an angle. Now, I'm not making accusations here, but if I were a supporter and I wanted people not to be able to read something because it was bad, that's exactly how I would take that that photo. Right. I mean, is there any other reason you would take a photo from about three feet away and at an angle? Well, like I said, some people were not very bright. Some of the people, and I, I, I some of the people that were involved in uh, obtaining documents, some of us knew what we were doing and some of us did not. And some of us, all they had was a cell phone because there was no getting copies made at the West Memphis PD. You right. had to bring in a means the biggest of... biggest that ever existed in the world. Hmm? I'm going to Yeah, probably so. I mean, I yeah, I, I, would, I would not argue with that. From right above but, the picture, it's going to be good. But I can't imagine standing three feet from the right of the document and then clicking. Oh. I think even would be like, I can't really make out what this says. So I, I may yeah. be alone theory. Um, but it um, just seems so standing, damning statements against them. Either the pages just happen to be missing or a, a lot of it is cut out of the frame and they're all taken from three feet away. Well, and like I said, the, the Exhibit 500, if something was cut out, I was scanning that on a on a bed scanner one page at a time that's outstanding and um, and that was and then we had to convert them from tiff files to jpeg files but the only so it was not a fun <laughs> no i can't imagine how long this must have taken you and what and how long ago was this back in 2001 I can't even imagine how long that would take. I mean, and we're very thankful for that team of doing it because I can't even imagine how long that would take you to scan each and every document and then put it up online. Right. It um, wasn't, and, and it wasn't. Now, later on, we got a uh, a feeder scanner and went to the, and, and the volume of material, like I said, we had at West Memphis PD, we had boxes and boxes and boxes. The first three trips, I went and just looked for stuff on Eccles, Baldwin, and Miss Kelly. Okay. Because there was, and then we looked for stuff on Byers to see, you know, about his alibi, because at that time that was the claim, was that he had no alibi and the West Memphis PD didn't look at him hard enough. Now, I have a um, question for you, if you don't mind me asking. Mm-hmm. I have a series of questions, actually. What out of okay. all the key statements made against them. What are the two that you think are most damning? Which statements are like you referring to? Because I know they interviewed everybody and their mother. Is there two witness statements that you felt were really truthful and really damning to them? What two do you think they were? I think Joe Bartouche definitely, because the way it came about, he just volunteered this information. That was about the Great Dane, the dog. 
that he okay. says he observed Eccles killing. That's interesting. And and can you think of because that's very telling to his mental state. Right. Um, and then Miss Kelly, I think it was Buddy Lucas's claims that the day after the murder, Miss Kelly was crying and upset and had done something and then gave Buddy Lucas a pair of shoes. Okay. Uh, Buddy didn't go directly. His relatives went to police and said, this is, you know, Buddy says this is what happened. And then they went to Buddy. And then Ron Lax got to Buddy. And Buddy claimed he was so terrified and afraid for his life that he, uh, he, uh, he, he lied to the police. Like, what exactly did Ron Lack say to those witnesses that terrified them? Do we know? Well, I think he told them that if they if they got up and testified to whatever statements they'd given police, that he would see them charged with perjury because he knew they were lying. And there were probably offers of money and there were going to be book deals and, you know, this is going to be a very lucrative, uh, lucrative thing. And um, so, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think he was threatening him. I think he was telling him Damien was innocent. State of Arkansas wants to kill him. And, you know, that's kind of uh, playing on their, on their sympathy. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. You know, I, I, I get, I, like I said, I think there was a recording uh, with one witness, and I can't remember that person's name. But, um, I mean, Lax was telling him he was lying. He knew he was lying and, you know, that, that they were going to see him charged with perjury. I can't remember who it was. But it was I, an example of the why... coercive tactics that Lax I... used. Like, I don't to know why a defense witnesses. investigator was allowed to go around threatening witnesses. That seems insane to me. Well, the witnesses didn't really complain very loud. They tended to just acquiesce and recant their statements. Um, there was a, I think during Miss Kelly's trial... Lax was taken a task for misrepresenting himself as a police officer. And that's in the oh. transcripts of Miss Kelly's trial. And was he held Do like you have a page number for that note that you're talking about? I'm I'm sorry? Do you have a page number for that note you're talking about? Well, I was looking for it, but I got sidetracked because I got you the evidence oh. number. <laughs> <laughs> Because I got very interested in what you were saying. All right. So listen to this. Bear with me on this one. In 2005, they put in a request to the court because they wanted, there is several pages of items to be tested. Item FP693-05716 is the skin tissue hair from the Moore ligature. Item FP693-05717 is skin tissue from the branch ligature. And then item, I have this highlighted, SP8930518 is tissue and skin from the buyer's ligature. So that means Mm -hmm. that there was tissue and skin in all three of the boys' ligatures. 
They can pull right. DNA from that. Well, okay. Now, one thing in 2005, the initial round of DNA testing, the result of that became the basis for the uh, Eccles federal habeas claim as okay. well as the new trial the new trial orders the new trial motions at the time the new trial motions were pending i think that they agreed to additional testing of additional items but i don't think that they they did that through the court okay because this is what these were the items when i was looking through everything they really have pages mm-hmm. and pages and pages of evidence yeah. from this case. And this right. is the 2005 request. Um, and what happens is they just seem, these pieces of evidence seem to be mentioned in orders and then go missing. Right. And, you know, and, another thing that you have to, you have to keep in mind is even though the order said the results were supposed to be reported within 90 days, that did not happen. Now, the defense asked for two extensions. I forgot. One was because of staffing, and the other one, the reason why is escaping it, me. But it, the defense asked twice for It didn't for happen. The, the testing was ordered in 2005, and in 2007, the results were filed as what the results that the defense wanted to rely on were filed as part of those motions. But they weren't filed 90 days after the testing was completed. No, and according second, to some of the reports another round in, in there, the testing had been completed a year before, 18 months before. So the defense no, never no. never met that 90-day deadline. I'm sorry. I lost it. Um, the defense never met that 90-day requirement. No, there was another round of At, testing in 2011. Correct. But the, the defense never filed the results. No, they just only gave status In reports. compliance with that. Correct. That's what I'm and trying to point out. They 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 didn't. Yeah, if you can give me that page number because I want to see. Because yeah. if what you're saying is accurate, then somebody has replaced pages that I scanned. That's why... 500 is the way it is on Callahan because I had to scan it a page at a time. All right. I'm going through what each one by one. Is anyone else on the line to have a side discussion while I do this? Adi? I, I am on the line, but I didn't want to interrupt you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it was so I'm sorry. My, my phone is really, really misbehaving today. I'm sorry. It was, uh, it, it's raining and the, Sign and the signal is very bad. And I and I got in, but you were. I mean, I love hearing Meredith talk, so I was just listening. I'm sorry. I'm oh, God here. bless you. Thank you. Hi, Lisa. No problem. And thank you. And thank you, Michael, for helping me uh, get through. I'm sorry. It was it was very interesting listening to you guys talk. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you. Oh, and about, and about the Callahan side, I have been. Uh, revising and checking each and every one of the of the of the links of everything that's been uploaded. Uh-huh. We have been doing Meredith for a while. Most of the of uh, of the links that are not working is because they are broken. I haven't gotten to the 
to the Exhibit 500 yet because just from right. ACC are about 2,000 links, and I am about in and halfway. Part of that, part of that is likely because of the migration of the yes. site from 8K to yes, my site. The, when I start to like to, um, well, when the link is broken, I start like to investigate if the link is if there is something uploaded. And yes, there is stuff uploaded, but just the link doesn't work. But correct, all the and that's put up all. Yeah. And and that's just where that's where somebody has not gone into uh, the 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 index and replaced the the URL. And as I understand it, they whoever has it now, whoever's running it and sponsoring it, they do want people to let them know. I wrote an email when they when they come across. There are some there are some yeah. names there and there's mail there and I wrote to them asking them if I'm telling them that I was gonna send them a list I want to finish first and like make a list of all the things that are missing and to mm-hmm. ask them if they could upload them or do something about it or send them to me whatever but I haven't gotten any response so I don't know if anybody is really looking into it which is weird because um, now that all the West Memphis three hype is coming back again. A lot of YouTube right. stuff has been put on, and I thought that it was the same uh, thing with the with the Callahan page, but no, the the links. I mean, the documents are there, but the links are broken. That's just it. Right, right. And um, you know, and that may be that that uh, the two people have moved on with their lives. Yeah. Um, a lot of us have tried to do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, when and you start we a fight like Callahan, you're not allowed to move on. It's a lifetime commitment. I know. So I know. How dare they And Ivan is helping as well. We want like to put up all the documents, to get all the documents that are missing, because there are a lot of documents missing, not links broken, documents missing. That's what we want to okay. do. Like put another like a hand. I know it's it's a right. task, but 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 we need the we need the transcripts. We need all the documentation. So we are we're working <laughs> because, like Mary said, you're not allowed to leave the the site <laughs> that kind of site. No, right. it's a lifetime commitment. <laughs> yeah, but, right. I mean, Chase is never going to die. Chase is never going to go. Out of trend ever, Addie. You don't know yeah. offhand what what link number that is, right? No, the, no, you didn't send hundred yet. You were you were still sorting it. I've only had the from day to see index. Oh, that's right. We just went through that. I apologize. All right, I'm looking. I'll be back in five minutes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't imagine so. her this, you know, with all of her of her sheets and all of her. Uh, you know, all of her documents. She's I know. I, mean, I know. Her her energy is astounding. Yeah, and, her, and her, I've and channeled. Her. I've channeled myself into other cases. Yeah. Because I now yeah, do well, that for my podcast every week. Yeah, I know. I'm still learning from from this one. 
and uh, and I was I was reading a lot about it, and then I got you know sidetracked to the Melgar case, and then came back. But it's, it's such a big case. I mean, there's so many documents to read, and to know that there are mm-hmm. even more, it's overwhelming. It's really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And we really thought that the links were not broken, that they're, you know, the, the documents were taken down. But no, there's no conspiracy there. So let's see what happens. It's right. a tremendous and amount like of documentation. That... And I think one of the reasons why is because there were three of them, and they all independently filed appeals, and they all independently, you know, there were two trials. Oh, yeah. And right. the police really did an outstanding job while investigating. They took witness statements from hundreds of people. So when you're going through it, it's a tremendous amount. And I know supporters say, oh, the West Memphis, the West Memphis police had tunnel vision. They really didn't. They spoke to everyone and every, anyone in the area. And there's just so much information here that it takes years and years to get through. It's really remarkable. And Lisa, I'm very impressed by your knowledge of this. I learn something every time I listen to one of your podcasts about it. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And everything, I mean, everything was made, I mean, it was written. I mean, right now that I'm downloading and copying all the links, I mean, it was handwritten and it was, and somebody else, you know, transcribed it. And it's a lot of work. And I was mm-hmm. listening to you saying, you know, that you were uh, scanning it one by one. And I, I was sweating just by listening to it. Oh, my God. That, that must have been a lot of work. <laughs> it took me... I went to Jonesboro, I think in like July, and then I started scanning. And once we scanned them, they the scanner put them out as TIFF images, and then we had to save them as JPEG images. Yeah, convert them to JPEGs. Um, yeah, yeah, because the TIFF are, are too heavy. You had to compress them, or else it wouldn't. Be, you wouldn't be able. to. They wouldn't have lo- And this was You know Some people still had dial up Yeah Because this was in That's 2001 <laughs> Where DSL was very expensive And you really pretty much only had yeah. that In businesses I mean I have never I've heard of you know like the non-supporters They do this kind of thing I have, I mean, I'm, I don't want to generalize, but I don't think a lot of supporters actually do go and read these things and are really, really into it. Maybe a few that I know, but that is why there is so much misinformation out there. Yeah, I my experience has been that supporters tend to rely on what they were told, and that's been my general experience across multiple cases Yeah, because I still get statements like the Rodney Reed case I still get statements about the beer cans that had a police officer's DNA on them when if you read the court opinions you'll find that at the time of Reed's trial his own expert had eliminated those beer cans and had yeah. eliminated that police officer as a donor of DNA on those beer cans. But yeah, they don't read yes. the court opinions to understand why. And that was one of the reasons I started the 
my show and try to do it the way that I do it is this is why the court of appeal did not uh, did not grant relief. Yeah. Because yeah, that's, their evidence was not was, sufficient. Yeah, and, and a lot of people, they, they, they still believe in the documentaries, and, and, and they go by what they say. I, I was t- telling, I don't remember who, that about two or three weeks ago, they did like a West Memphis Street special in uh, Cinemax, you know, the Latin version of Cinemax, and it was mm-hmm. a whole week, they, and they, uh, they went over the three, uh, the Paradise Lost documentaries, and they showed the devil's knot and everything, everything, one day, one day at a time. And, um, mm-hmm. for example, my husband hasn't seen them, so he saw them for the first time, and he, and he was like, I mean, if, if I didn't know about it, I would believe it. If it's the first yeah. time you see something like that, of course you would believe it. It's very uh, appealing emotionally and everything. So, so it's, like I said, it's becoming a hype again. Yeah. And we've been joined by Nicole. To Hi, guys idea about why they didn't grant Nicole. relief. Hello? Hello. Yes. Hi. Hi, Nicole. Well, the I'm Nicole. that they had in 2011. I'm sorry I'm so late because I could not get on. First, I had my puppy run out onto the golf course and I had to chase him. And then I couldn't get on. <laughs> so that's yeah, we I'm had Audie. Audie had a tough time uh, getting yeah, on as too. well. And yeah. I think Michael is going to um, – can you look into that Skype issue? If, and you and know just what else is a good, let me know on um, Facebook Messenger. You know what else is a good way to do these? Um, uh, Uvu. Uvu is a really good app. Okay. I don't know if that would work through talk radio. Hmm. We're This is recording for – for the podcast. Right. And I, so we, we have to do it by telephone uh, and it's voice, uh, you know, VOIP, which is voice over internet protocol or Skype. And those are the options. Okay. So well, that, um, when you get only girls, only girls online, that this kind of thing is going to happen. <laughs> You're going to be late. It's not going to be able to get through. Yeah. Now, now, and Meredith, okay. you were, you were, you had a question or a comment. Oh yes. Uh, as we were bringing I the call in. When uh when they were in 2011 asking or 2010 or was it? I remember when they had the dream team of experts with John Douglas and the DNA and all of that, the experts in the panel contradicted themselves. You had John Douglas saying um, this was a something murder where it was clearly taken out on one, where the human was more violent. And then you have another expert, uh, Fitz. Am I getting that right? Yeah, Fitz. Yeah. Uh, for a second, I'm like, is that my ENT or is that, yeah, Dr. Spitz, who says that it was all the injuries were done, were done by animals. So they can't have Correct. it both ways. When you have two experts on the same panel fighting for their defense, saying that 
this was a personal cause homicide. That's why one had so many more injuries than the other caused by a human. And two seats down, another expert saying, oh, no, all the injuries were caused by animals. How do you get relief based on that when your experts can't even agree? So I Correct. think that yeah, and that's, the that's something that is something with that the courts look at. Oh, and Spitz said that the, that a dog shook them and knocked <laughs> their heads against trees. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Yeah. A dog? Oh my no, god. I thought we were talking about the turtles, the snapping turtles. Those were the, the turtles. The animals that were The turtles yeah. inflicted the post-mortem mutilations. But okay. it was dogs who actually shook them and knocked them against trees. Is and then right? put them back in the ditch. I guess there were no turtles when everybody was looking in there. There was no turtles in the morning when they all went in there. Mm-hmm. And when they drained, there was no. When they drained it, there was no turtles. There well, was no Nicole, turtles didn't you know that turtles will run when they see people? Well, didn't I mean, you know that? that yeah, well, but I would think that, that they're to, they're, they're big <laughs> if they run you know, when they like, see like, people, scary turtles. Why would they be in there with the bodies? Right. Yeah. And and they're <laughs> talking about really big, big turtles, you know, like 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 dinosaurs. The pictures I've seen, it's mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. I mean, it wasn't such a a, a deep uh, ditch where such a big turtle could be in. Correct. Now, in in Ten Mile Bayou, although I don't, I think Ten Mile Bayou, the highest it gets is maybe chest or shoulder. I don't think it gets more than six or, I mean, six feet at the most. Wow. I, the documentary, it was up to their, to their, uh, you know, the people who got in. What was this guy's name who got in? It was up to his waist, more or less, or, or his legs. It wasn't a, it wasn't a really deep uh, ditch for <clears throat> for big turtles to be in. Or, or yeah. Well, yeah, I the think the most it gets is – go um, ahead, Meredith. Lisa, on your interview with Bob Ruff, the, the big debate, yes. one of the more interesting things that, I, you know, I was – while I've been researching this, I was kicking the idea of animals attacking the body back and, and forth and thinking maybe it was partly animal, partly human. But one mm-hmm. a point you raised that really stayed with me was that – how could the boys um, have any animal destruction on their body when they were pushed into the mud? Because if they right. had, then the animals would have dislodged them. So everything that when they were face down and covered in mud wouldn't have been able to be attacked by animals. So it had to be human. And that was one Correct. of the more intriguing arguments I heard where, well, how could that have been animals if they were stuck in the mud? They would have right. been dislodged. And- so I, and I thought that was people. Said, pop- you said it. It made a popping sound, like a vacuum, when they when they pulled them up, mm-hmm. like negative right. negative pressure. And so they were really people have good. have proposed mammals, but mammals aren't going to take food out of a ditch and then put it back when they're done. And one of the other problems I've always had with the animal predation no. theory is the injuries to the three boys are not consistent. Even though Chris and Steve were right next to each other, an animal did not mutilate Chris's face, but mutilated Chris Steve's. And then right. an animal didn't mutilate Steve's genitals, 
but did mutilate Chris's. They would be cons- I think the injuries would be consistent. Yeah, right, one of the things that all be general, it would all be face, it would all be whatever. One of the things I don't understand is uh, easy and soft for them to bite off. They would try to get all of them, all three of them. Mm-hmm. That little piece sorry, of Meredith. Oh, I'm sorry. One of the things I don't understand about the defense's arguments is, you know, on one point they're arguing that maybe one of the stepfathers was so angry and rageful and started beating the piss out of these kids. But then right. you want to argue that all the damage was done by animals. And mm-hmm. you can't, they're not mutually exclusive. It can either be one or the other. Either somebody Correct. was so they're rageful they wanted to cause all this damage or the animals did it. And I never understood how the defense always tried to put those two things forward. If you're going to argue and somebody was so angry they did it, say, well, a human did all of that damage. They caused the majority of it because they were rageful. Why bring animals right. in at and all? The other thing is the whole animal predation theory is unnecessary. Yeah. If you prove someone else did it, it doesn't matter that it that 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 other human did all that damage to these victims. No, because they're almost arguing. But I think what they're trying to do is they're saying the whole the state's whole case was wrong. Nobody mutilated these victims. That was, was animals. Of, yeah, no, I, was, I, yeah, I, it was absurd. Well, I think it was Bob Ruff. I'm not sure, but yeah, no, it wasn't. Exactly, that every um, injury on the boys' bodies was caused by animals. Even so, the argument he's trying to make is essentially the boys voluntarily walked gently into the the riverbank, shoved themselves into the mud, and then the animals came. And how? Yeah. And he was claiming that there was there was no even or well, even the head damage was caused by animals. So how are you going to get the boys who are very conscious, very alive, and running around to voluntarily shove themselves in the mud without causing damage to them by humans at all? And that's Correct. Bob Ruff. That's what I think that Bob Ruff. I think that Bob Ruff. It's it's more likely to say that there is a killer. There was a killer or 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 killers. And uh, after they they kill the boys, they put them in the mud. But all of the all of the most of the injuries were made by an, by animals after they were no, put no. in the mud. But again, which animal was gonna like take them out of the mud and then inside the mud again? No, no. Bob Ruff claimed on Real Sorry, Crime Profile that every injury on the boys' bodies were caused by animals. That a human did not cause any of the injuries, including the head injury. That that was all done by animals. And then Lisa Zambetti said, well, how could you get three boys to voluntarily, while conscious, stay under the water? And he's like, weirder things have happened. So I thought that was interesting. (laughs) And that's why I I can't listen to (laughs) Well, it's absurd. I just can't. I hate yeah, but in his podcast, I think he's still he's still pitching for someone, some killer or killers in his podcast. That's what he that was he suggested. But he does uh, support the 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 turtle theory again. Well, I think he's I think he's yet another shill for the defense of anybody. But why uh, of is course. He, why is he he's going to take their theories and expand upon them and. 
and pretend to find solid evidence that supports them. But even – I don't and understand why he's so stuck on these animals. Because the animals didn't come out, why, catch but, the but boys, and put them under the water. It, it has that, that was the defense theory, though, yeah. Meredith, or a part of the defense theory. He's, he's expanded upon it uh, yeah, and perhaps made it his own. Yeah, every time he talks about it, he, he, there's a picture of him holding a turtle. A big, big, big uh-huh. turtle, like a prehistoric. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I wish that. Favorite. I wish he'd do that and and have the snapping turtle hold him the wrong way, and have that oh, yeah. snapping turtle rear back and take a chunk out of him. I don't understand what these goddamn. <laughs> I rarely wish ill on anyone, but I have exceptions, and I, I think. Um, Let's go ahead. Let's let's pause and have a break. I'm going to go grab another Diet Coke, um, and we can have a little break and uh, be back in five. Okay, sounds good, Lisa. Okay, yeah, because I, I uploaded a special song, and I want to play it. Okay, well, we'll go ahead and play it. And it'll we'll actually be, right be about... For- Two to three. Sounds good.
Saturday, June 29th, it's Redemption. Brought to you by the Arkansas Wrestling Organization. See Arkansas favorites like Cataclysm, Ace Muta, the original Misfit, Josh Cross, Suicide King, Ray Ray, Insane Shane, and current AWO champion D-Mike. As they battle for redemption this Saturday in Ola at 307 West Hill Street. Doors open at 530. Concessions will be available. And this is a family-friendly show with kids under six getting in free. It's Redemption. Brought to you by the Arkansas Wrestling Organization. to confess all the talk of Bob I needed a cigarette <laughs> <laughs> I'm smoking right now so <laughs> I'm I have one in my hand right now uh, I'm I'm almost tempted to get an e-cig because sometimes the whole show I need one I'm in and say that's a great idea Lisa they're better for you well, yeah, except when, except when they blow up. Well, hey. Yeah. All you got to do is make sure you get one of the pins that don't blow up. I've been vaping for about a year That's now. True. I ain't back yet. Mm-hmm. Hey, I live in Vegas, uh, and we're in a, we are in a legal cannabis state for recreational and medicinal. So that's kind of nice, too. And they make all kinds of edibles and lotions and all kinds of different things to help you with it. Oh, yeah. Louisiana, I think they're trying to get it, but I don't think medicinal maybe, but not recreational. And you go into these places and it's like these bud, these bud growers or bud experts know their stuff. Like you just have to tell them exactly what you want it for. Like if you want it to calm you, to make you sleep, to make you happier, you know, to whatever, so you're not nauseous right. anymore. And they have all the right ones, and they have a really cool um, tour in one of them where it shows you how they make the gummy bears and all the different candies and lollipops, and it's pretty pretty cool here. <laughs> yeah, and I've heard the edibles are actually pretty strong. They are. Yeah. Yeah, and then you can so, well, be the oil and do like one drop, and that really doesn't do very much at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we're talking about. Um, we've been talking about dirty deeds, 
and the West Memphis three case is a good example of that. Um, but I think one of the themes is also on the defense side is that if this person was convicted, Sandra Melgar, Damian Eccles, Jason Baldwin, uh, Rodney Reed, Stephen Avery, conviction equals ineffective assistance of counsel. Right. That's what they Because there's reasonable doubt in the court of public opinion, and that Mm -hmm. means they should have never been convicted. Yep. Yeah. From the defense side, uh, it's a bunch of bull. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Most of the time, yeah. Uh, And then also that the reason, like, a direct appeal is not successful is because the appellate court judges are protecting another judge. Yeah, and it's oh, yeah. <laughs> court of and public opinion, there's reasonable the, doubt. They don't understand what a direct appeal is for and 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 the things that you can do in them. Like there's only mm-hmm. certain things that you can bring in them because if you didn't object at trial, you can't then bring that in. And Correct. Like, it's crazy to me how many people do not understand how this system works. I read the comments under the Adnan pages all the time, and these people are like, this is just not so, it's not fair. It's just not fair. Like, I don't understand. Why can't they, like, put put this in and bring this new evidence? And it's like you don't get a do-over every time you find a new piece of something. Do you know how long right. that would go on? Like, at some right. point, it has to be done. And, and, and if you I hope the Maryland case over twenty years, you're pretty much not gonna. And I, I hope yeah. the Maryland state attorneys are keeping an eye on some of these, especially Rabia. She's now saying they have some big bombshell, but they're keeping in their pockets for right now. Sure they are. Well, well so they're letting you only have a year. Everybody. All these famous cases, everybody has a bombshell, and they're just keeping it quiet for some strange reason that nobody knows. Uh, but that's the mm-hmm. that part about the, the court of public opinion and, and you know, all the, you know, the Facebook phenomenon and everything, that um, people start with all these you know, alternative theories, and they think that those theories will stick, and those are theories that have actually been debunked by the transcripts, by the original trial and everything, and they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And, and I ask myself, when would you stop pushing? I mean, not because you say so, it's something that happened. I mean, it, yes, it's an alternate scenario, but, but if the trial didn't cover it for some reason, it's not going to cover it now. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, they, a, and, they and a lot of cases, believe in it, I mean. a lot of Sorry. cases, what they're claiming no court has ever looked at was actually presented at trial. The jury heard about it and they either didn't find it credible or they, they did find it credible. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like I said, in the Rodney Reed case, uh, the claim about the beer cans, which actually a, an appeals court did not find the, the, claims about the beer cans to be credible because the trial evidence showed that Reed had his own DNA expert. 
She tested the beer cans. She got the same result as the state. And then she did an additional test and eliminated the beer cans as relevant evidence in his case. And that's why they were never brought up at trial. Not that they were hidden from the defense. Hmm. And But to this day, they still talk about the beer cans as being evidence of Rodney Reed's innocence. Well, that, that is my question. I mean, how do, how do you know, well, I don't know, or whoever makes this, this decision, I mean, when do you know that, that something was really overlooked or ignored? I mean, what, are, what do you need for, for someone to say, oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I mean, they screwed up on this one. So... Because, I mean, again, court of public opinion, people have a lot of opinions and a lot of, of things to, that should have been and what ifs and everything. But, but, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's that easy to say, oh, you know what, this wasn't tested or this wasn't well tested or something like that. Or there was the corrupt, you know, the, the, the people who, or the lab that did the testing was corrupt. That's another favorite. Like, say right. they didn't follow up on a bunch of witnesses that, they were told about that could be one thing um say that the uh, not necessarily really didn't like say not the necessarily because in the pre-trial stages the defense generally has its own investigators and they're free to follow up and find and develop any witnesses and evidence that they feel is going to help them they don't have to rely on the police to do it. No, no. What I'm saying is that if they, they don't put them on the stand, they don't use them. They just, you know, their own private investigators just don't go out and find them or they just don't use them. Well, that's not the state's problem. That's your problem. You didn't use them. That's right. Correct. And like, as far as true Brady violations, like if the if the prosecution really knew something and was trying to hide it from the defense, then absolutely a hundred percent. And if it could be absolutely proven, then they, they do need a new trial. That wasn't fair. Yeah. It needs to be overturned. Correct. And I'm not against right. that. And the Curtis, things that are, you know, I, I think the, the Curtis flowers case is a, is a prime example of that. U S Supreme oh, yeah. court just vacated his conviction after his sixth trial, because mm-hmm. jurors were excluded based on race. and the But it was also a judgment called by the U.S. Supreme Court saying they did not find the prosecutor's uh, explanations for striking certain jurors to be credible. So they kind mm-hmm. of was a credibility determination, even though every other court had found him credible, the U.S. Supreme Court panel did not. So, and that, but that's a prime case of, uh, of presenting and proving and having it, it accepted as a means of vacating conviction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's the thing. Does I mean, anybody know the truth? That... What's the truest 
statistic, the most recent statistic of wrongful convictions in our country? Anyone know it right now? I think it, I think it depends on the on the crime, doesn't it? I I don't I, uh, I don't case. know. Is it like twenty anybody... percent of people are exonerated? Thirty percent of people, nine percent. You know how many percent of people are exonerated by DNA? I'm gonna look up. Like I said, I don't know. And sometimes exoneration, like Curtis Flowers, he's not exonerated because he didn't commit the crime. That there's evidence that proves he didn't commit the crime. He's exon. He's exonerated, not really even exonerated. He's getting a new trial because his constitutional rights at trial were violated. That's a technicality. That's right. a technical issue. Not right. an no, issue. I'm talking like a true exoneration. Like I don't how many I don't know are, that anyone really are wrongfully convicted. I don't know that anyone's really doing the math. Um, you know, you look at Innocence Project and they'll give you one percentage that's probably wildly exaggerated. And then if you look at a, a pro death penalty, they might give you a lower figure and that's probably a little under. Yeah, I'm, I don't I'm think Googling there's really right an unbiased just, no, source. No, the, the number the doing the math. Yeah, I'm well, why right can't now the high and, courts, and all, the, all of the high courts of each state and, and SCOTUS should all put that data out every year? They can keep track of it. I'm sure they do. That would be a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, I think all these people I, think that, like, more than 80% of people are wrongfully convicted when it's really, like, probably 4%. Right, like the way these yeah. innocent people, Bob's army, and like we think everyone needs to be out of jail. Correct. It's interesting oh, but, to me. But the thing like, about, oh, the they thing want about Bob's out army. so bad. They want him out so bad. They want him out so bad. But then, who killed Hay? Then, if he didn't, um, and then, who you know, they don't want certain people else. ever even. They yeah, they they don't want people. They don't think it's fair for people to get, like, beyond the police radar, like, the person closest to them. And they don't think these people should be arrested in the first place. Like, what do they think it would be like around here if we didn't have that? It would be melee all the time. Correct. And it would be a free-for-all of killings and the wild, wild west. Right. And notice a lot of... A lot of people go from they don't have any evidence. His wrongful convictions are usually famous ones. No, but that's the thing. I mean, there is the evidence. There is the transcripts. Bob usually follows or or takes or takes the cases that are famous or somehow are gonna be famous or or I don't know what high profile. Yeah. Yes, high profile. So Mm -hmm. so it's not like he thinks like everybody, but at least the famous ones are because it's. It's convenient. Very convenient. But 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 I agree with Nicole. I mean, like we were talking, you know, last time about the prosecutors. All the prosecutors are are um, corrupt. Okay, so and they're all mistaken about who is uh, wrongfully convicted or not. Okay, so where are all the criminals then? 
who is making all, who is doing all these crimes, who is committing all these crimes. Yeah, if, if everybody's supposed to be innocent, then why are crimes still happening? Yeah, yeah, I can understand. Yes, there are corrupt cops. Yes, there are corrupt prosecutions. I mean, there of are errors. There are. We are human. We err. We err. We are humans, but but not everybody. I mean, I've always said. It I makes mean, me cops, laugh. You know, it makes course. me laugh, like dying, laughing on the floor, like that. People think that the whole state of Texas. Um, Law enforcement, detectives, the judges, the jury, um, everyone, like the witnesses, everything. All these people conspired just to put poor little old Sandy in jail. Like, give me a break. They don't care about yeah. her. Oh. To me, that's very narcissistic. Like, you think you're that important that anybody gives that much of a shit about you? They don't. They really don't want killers on the street, so they really do want to get the real ones off. And they wouldn't all risk their careers and have this big, huge conspiracy just for you. You're nobody. If you were maybe like, you know, John Gotti, okay, you know, then maybe people would do that. Or if you were some, you know, Pablo Escobar. But some little old lady mom, like, no one cares about her. And right. she got 27 years. She she probably only has to do half of that. How much does she have to do of that? 60%? I'm not sure. Texas is really strange. It's it's funny in Texas. In Texas, if you get the death penalty, that's your ass. If you get life, however, you only have to serve 38 years. And, she and then you become eligible for parole. And she mm-hmm. got 27. I would say she's probably eligible for release In after, like 15 years. I'd say, 15 to 20. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But, I mean, uh, it's still a big chunk of her life, but, I mean, someone else lost their whole life. It could be worse. Right. And if she would have right. just right. pled yeah. down and... and if she would have just pled it down in the beginning, she would have gotten like eight, eight years. Correct. And that's the other funny thing, and and the kind of um, the kind of hypocrisy of certain internet sleuths is in the West Memphis Three case, they didn't look hard enough at the parents. The parents, when a child dies, the parents are always the number one suspect. Oh, yeah. But in Sandy Melgar. They had no business even looking at Sandy because she had no reason to kill him. Right. Even though statistically, right. when a husband is killed or a wife is killed, the prime natural suspect is the spouse. The spouse. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And in this case, Sandy's in the house. She's the only one in the house with Jamie. I, maybe it was the dogs. I mean, maybe those puppies got tired of pooping on puppy pads. Well, animal predation. <laughs> and those aren't stab wounds. They're bites no. inflicted by the they're dog. They're bites. They're, they're dog bites. They're, they're Chihuahua and Pomeranian dog bites. You're correct. Let's get, let's get Mr. Spitz in there. Dr. Spitz in there. Yeah, but, but it is a hypocrisy. It, it is a hypocrisy how they handle some cases one way and another cases another way and you can't tell them because they always have an excuse 
Always. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And hopefully... I, I, I think, think that the um, people... Go ahead, Nicole. Go ahead. Um, oh, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> let's do this on a round table. Like let's let's do A, B, C, D, and we go. All, so who wants to be A? Lisa. B. Who? Uh, Addy. C. Who yeah. else is here? Meredith. 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 C. Yeah. And D. Me. Okay. So A. Go. Yeah. Go ahead. All I right. <laughs> and I forgot where I. <laughs> I am I trying to get uh, Commander Garnon back. Uh, to go into homicide investigation because we didn't quite get there in our first interview. Uh, and Michael, uh, um, I, I Meredith's on hold. Oh, she's on now. Oh, thank You're you. You're C, Meredith. You yeah. Hello? Meredith. Oh, hi, I'm back. I'm yeah, sorry. Right. I had some technical problems. How is everyone? I'm back. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> We're waiting for you. All right. Adi, you're B. Yes. Okay, I'm B. Passing to you. And I just forgot what I was going to say. I, I forgot what, that, what I was going to say. I'm sorry. What were we were talking about the, the – what were we were talking about? The <laughs> sorry, hypocrisy of saying Westminster Three, it's family oh, members, oh, but in, oh. in Melgar, it they had no business looking at Sandy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But what I was going to say is I don't think that, that doing this case, like Bob covering this case, was really helpful for Sandy at all because a lot of things got uh, – you know, he was saying some things, and, and actually a lot of supporters, a lot of Bob fans ended up realizing that he wasn't really that truthful. And a lot of things that Bob didn't want or, or, or the family didn't want about the case to be out were out. So I don't know if it was really helpful or helpful at all. It that wasn't. Was was. This was his worst one yet. I, he's really hurt this one. He's made a fool of himself. And you could tell. And you could tell he was mad. You could tell in his in his podcast that he was mad. He was very very mad. He was like so intense from all over. I stopped listening a and while I, ago, but, but I'd bet dollars to donuts it, it that like, the attorneys asked him to stop talking so much, throwing around all these, yeah. you know, <clears throat> conspiracies or whatever. I mean, he flat there out said he never told. He never told, he's never said anyone, he's like, I never said anyone killed someone. I've always just theorized. When we have it on tape that he said that Don killed Hay. How can you be that? But that's his belief. That's his belief. There's a distinction apparently. He never said that. He said he never said it (laughs) to his family. Yes, he did. It was the same with the Melkart case. He, he, he took all his uh, his suspects and one by one, he, this one did it, this one did it, and then oh no, I didn't say they did it. Right. So, I, I I really don't think it was very helpful. No. Well, it's and all extra ju- judicial. It's never going to be helpful unless it leads to a legitimate, credible, reliable witness. Who goes to the attorneys, right? And brings gives up an affidavit new. and then testifies yep. in a in a hearing ordered by the court of criminal appeals or the appellate court. 
yeah, on a post-conviction sure, writ, and none of it's going to help her. None of it's going to help her in the direct appeal. I mean, don't, do you everything guys in understand? the direct appeal is on the record. Right. Yeah. Pardon? Do you guys understand? Do you guys understand why I keep writing to these people saying you're not investigating anything? Like they think they are, but they're not any part mm-hmm. of it. Like the real people that are doing it are like you know the judges, the DA, the Seacrest, the police. You know, like they they don't care about Bob and his army. Like, they probably chuckle to themselves whenever he says something new. He's not hes not part of the team. Like, he sure seems to think that he is, but he's not. He's not doing anything. It, like you said, it's extrajudicial. Right. It happened after the fact. It's riding coattails. Correct. It's I think his biggest... Playing it, it's, it's playing it safe by always taking Innocence Project stuff from Texas. He only takes anything from Texas. And I, I think, I his think that problem, is, I'm you know, I it. think he's a shill for, for the Innocence Project. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure he is. And I'm sure they're the ones who, who give him the, you know, the, the cases. I'm pretty sure. Well, on one of them. And they tell the him what to say. Yeah, well, there was one case, the one of the guy who got out, and who from like the DNA, he presented it as if he was the person who requested the DNA testing and all of this, but then when you look at his lawyer's statements when he got out, they thanked everyone but Bob, and yeah. then, uh, which should have been humiliating to Bob, because he made it seem as if he was an integral part of getting this man released, but according to his attorney, oh. he did nothing. No, that wasn't AIDS. That was somebody did, else. The only thing he what? did with AIDS was got that attorney uh, no. uh, involved with her, him. Right. But they can't do yeah. DNA yeah. on that because And he was only getting apparently he anyway. said He was already getting parole. Yeah. yeah. So Bob also, did Jack. Bob does the... No, but, what he does is he has a formula. And it's very easy to go back and say if he he's not able to actually find any evidence... But what he does is he'll go to any sort of interrogation and say the cops did it wrong. And he even made the statement that if he were the cops in West Memphis, he wouldn't have questioned Jesse Miss Kelly at all, even though Jesse Miss Kelly came forward to speak to the police because Bob felt that he was um, a minor who was intellectually challenged. So Bob, as the cop detective in that case, wouldn't have tried to find out who killed the three boys. He would have not questioned Jesse Miss Kelly. And he goes right. and he'd be he a shitty freaking cop. And it's absurd. And, but not only that, because he said that, no, there weren't six confessions at all. No, no, no. It was just one or two. Or, I don't know. I mean, see, the things that were already and the rest there, were all, was and the them. rest were just adding was, on. That's what he said. Yeah. The I rest mean, were just mm-hmm. clarifications. <laughs> yeah, it was so yeah. Like one confession. And, and Exhibit and, 500 and, uh, was generated by Jerry Driver. A hundred percent generated by Jerry Driver. I think where <laughs> Bob went wrong last season, though there's a many, many places, was that he sat down with Damien, who's a pathological liar, and just started basing his season on what Damien said. So Bob saying a whole bunch of very wrong stuff that's ever easily disproved, like 
Exhibit 500 was from Jerry Driver, and then he got hammered for all of this. I don't know why he would take Damien Eccles' word as gold, and he humiliated himself last season from it. And, Listen, uh, my pet, my 11-year-old little boy would know that Exhibit 500 was not from Jerry Driver. He would know if someone was on the death penalty, getting possibly getting the death penalty, that the attorneys during the penalty phase would be trying to do anything to mitigate, you know, to to keep him alive. Well, all Bob would have had right. to do was common sense. It, and it's written by doctors hospitals, therapists, not one of the documents here is written by Jerry Driver. They're written by actual doctors and when he was committed and what the, and the other interesting thing is it, none of it is made up because doctors and therapists, they can only write down what they witness in front of them and what, what's said. So this is all stuff that they witnessed. There's at least 15 or 20 people giving these sources it's absurd to say that Jerry Dry. I don't even know how they would claim he in, was involved in this at all. Well, I, I know exactly how they claim, because in one of the admissions, Jerry Driver provided certain information because Eccles was in lockup, and he didn't want to be in lockup, so he did something crazy and said he wanted to kill himself. Right. And so Jerry he got admitted. And so Jerry Driver provided some information. But, the but you know, again, is not and it's based, based on Jerry Driver is based on what Eccles told him. And and when yeah. he got to the this hospital, is, he confirmed all of it. And that mm-hmm. may have been one visit from one doctor. There's probably, I'm going to say, 30, uh, 30 different visits to independent mental health professionals who are stating uh-huh. what their parents said, what the mother says completely contradicts what she says later. And it's people, when they get to the hospital, what they saw, what the parents said, and what was reported. This is not interpretation. This is this is what these mental health professionals witnessed. And Correct. actually, they, I, I don't know, and I think one of them may have referenced what Jerry Driver told them, but in the document it says, Probation officer stated, blah, 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 blah. But that's maybe right, three exactly. We're talking about hundreds of pages of, and it, it, it's, I don't know how they dismiss this. Because really three don't. admissions to psychiatric hospitals over one year prior to the murders looks extraordinarily bad. So they have but to how, minimize the impact by yeah, saying... But, it's just like the claim that, that Jason Baldwin's attorneys put that together and entered it to make him look more guilty. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's pretty much this, I, I think it all just states exactly everything, that Damien Eccles' attorneys submitted this during the sentencing hearing to give him, um, you know, mitigating reasons well, where they're saying don't give him no. the death penalty because he's mentally ill. Actually, what is funny about Exhibit 500, how it came to be entered into evidence was actually it had been compiled as part of the mitigation case. Dr. Moneypenny, his, his expert, was testifying, 
And of course, the defense, the the prosecution says, "Well, have you reviewed anything?" And he says, "Oh yes, I've reviewed this, you know, compilation of of these records." And so then the prosecution is entitled to a copy of the records, and the prosecution, for the first time, gets to see them. And the prosecution end up moving to have that entered into evidence. That's it. And you know what's interesting that I learned from Exhibit Five? And that is entirely that is entirely legally acceptable. I, there's some ethical questions whether or not, uh, you know, because he's a minor during this, most of this, whether or not this should have been released to the public. There's, you know, I, ethically, it's not fantastic. But, um, you know, if but anybody he said he was 18, he turned he turned 18 during the trial. He was born in 72. Uh uh-uh. uh. So he turned 18 in December of 1992. In the majority of the documents, it's stating the patient is a 17-year-old gentleman, a 17-year-old boy. So the fact that he's 17 means he's still a minor, which... Prior prior to December, right. The May admission, he was 17. The September admission, he was 17. But in December, mm -hmm. he turned 18. You know, but irrelevant of the whether or not... We should be able to read a minor and file like this. It's it's, it's not very um, telling. And actually, he signed the releases after he was eighteen. Yeah, because I think that was inquisitor to get the records. It's not a criminal record. No, there's an but exception a, for an juvenile exhibit. records, criminal records. But but not you an know, exception for medical records. Like it's, uh, you know, should I? You know, usually they won't release. Uh, you know, I I don't think you should be able to release a, ju- a juvenile's mental history, but it's released, and I'm thankful they did. Um, if it if it becomes public record, now if it had never been entered in court, you're exactly right. Even if the even if the prosecutor's office had a copy of it, but I would if think it had they would never been entered it. in the record at the trial. You're correct, but because it was entered in the record at the trial, and Eccles did not seek when it was entered into the record to seal it oh, or do anything good. to prevent its public release, and you have to do that. That's not something the that happens is, by operation of law. It's like HIPAA wasn't even wasn't even written yet those laws weren't written yet so confidentiality Correct. wasn't as big of an issue back then as it is now well it was only the 90s point blank um and what's interesting is you see all the different medications he's on one is a medication for bedwetting and when you look at his history based on what's been reported of setting fires Hurting animals and bedwetting, that's a trifecta of a sociopath. What you know, all right. serial killers you, have that it's probably, it's probably not only for bedwetting. What is the med? It um, starts with an I, and I just saw it. But one of and the imipramine? Give me one second. Yeah. Imipramine? Yeah, I believe so. It's an antidepressant and also treats bedwetting. It's, it's like um, 
Yeah, it's a tricyclic antidepressant. Um, affects chemicals in the brain that may be unbalanced in people with depression, and it's used to treat people with depression. Um, it really is M-M-I-T-R-I-M-N-E. Yeah. Imipramine. Yeah. Tofranol. Same thing. Um, and, um, and it's just a side effect. Just like every other drug has 500 side effects, so does this. They list everything that can possibly happen. So I don't think he was on it for bedwetting. Well, no, I think that what happened was they used it to treat. He was on a series of antidepressants. Um, and I think they specifically use, well, because you, when you look at fire setting and killing animals, usually what's paired with that is bedwetting. So I went through his file to try to note if there were any incidents of bedwetting. And I found that that medication when prescribed in the 90s, they would treat for antidepressant that would also address the bedwetting. And I would think right, he's a bedwetter from his doubt, other, only you. because of the trifecta. He's not. I think he is. He's a sociopath. No, I don't think so. No. You don't think I he's think, a sociopath? Um, no. <clears throat> um, I think that that part is treating the bedwetting from imipramine is an off-brand treatment like it's just there as a bonus like and but it wasn't the primary reason that the doctors were using it no i don't i absolutely don't think that was the primary reason i think they were treating his depression but i think it also addressed the bedwetting as well and there's no documentation of any report there's no documentation of bedwetting. bedwetting So, no, but when you look at his history, like this way. let me put it to you like this, like this then, okay? They put him on um, <clears throat> Prozac for his depression, but it also helps with um, auditory hallucinations, um, gastroesophageal reflux and diarrhea. So just because it also helped with that stuff, that's not what they needed it for, and it didn't matter. So I well, would bet I'm saying that millions when you look of dollars. That when you look at, like, young teenage boys and uh, who are actively killing animals in their teenage years and also setting fires, that's part of the trifecta of, and they have in here written that he, he has conduct disorder, which is before a child's 18, we label it conduct disorder, which is a sociopath. Usually you have to have I know, I, I know, I know. I work with these kids all the time. I, I 100% do not think that he is betting, wedding his head. They were only using it for the antidepressant, or else it would be documented that it was going to be used for both. Well, what's interesting is they have also to document it. But they have to document it. The doctors can be liars. So no, in the they're not, not saying they are. Yeah, um, but if in their notes in Exhibit 500, is, they would say that they're using it 
primarily for depression, and also it will help with the bed reading. Well, they're not they in right. here. I haven't been able to find notes of when he's on that medication, and they the doctor who originally prescribes it doesn't. Their documentation isn't in here, and why? And his medication switches sometime in I want to say 1990, the end of 1992. They switch it off it, so. The, the majority of the reports in here is just saying he's on that medication. It's not explaining why. Um, and his, the diagnosis is constantly disorder of adolescence with a disturb, conduct disorder. So they're labeling him a sociopath. That's um, not a sociopath, though. <laughs> conduct disorder, yeah. conduct disorder. Before a child 18, they're labeled conduct disorder because they won't label them sociopath because they're a minor. You will never see right. anybody at the age of 18 with a sociopath. So we, we label a conduct disorder. And then when they're above conduct 18 disorder with that. Is going to be sociopath. Mm. Maybe yeah. wasn't Stephen Avery also uh, uh, an animal, you know, uh, herder or whatever, and, and he likes, you know, play with fire and everything as well? I'm sorry. Now that you're mentioning, yeah, I think that's a two out of. I think that's a two out of three. We don't. We don't have any documented well, no, that was, what was reference to. Um, but when and isn't it? Isn't it they? Hyperviolent sociopathic behavior. He's done and like when he scratched out Jane Dibble Biss's eyes. That's hyperviolent. Normal teenage boys, when they're fighting, don't look to permanently disfigure anyone. There's a number of stories right. about him enjoying watching animals die and killing them themselves. That's not normal. Teenage boys will go over and look at dead animals, but they generally don't kill them. And in school, That's he said a number of fires. Is, there's, I think, two incidents of fire setting in the building of his high school. And there was also an accusation yeah. that set fire to someone's garage. Um, and then also he was chasing around a young boy with an axe. So these are all sociopathic behaviors. These are not. These are all also hearsay. Unless there's any real proof and real documentation for them, then it's hearsay. And I'm not Shane Devilbiss. Well, I would. Shane Devilbiss is. That was documented. You know, a statement. Yeah. From Shane as to what Eccles tried to do, as well as Eccles' statements to the counselor as to what his intent was. That's right. not hearsay. That chasing somebody with an axe is... Well, then the fire setting, he was suspended that, in place for, well, for setting fire, so that happened. Um, he was... And I think I'm he said that in the... I don't, think, I don't think that that can be... I think he said that in the... Um, that happened. No, in his school that 100% happened. He was suspended from school the previous year for setting fires. Yeah. For setting and I think he admitted to that in, the, in Exhibit in 500, the Nicole. But wasn't it in a chemistry lab, like with a Bunsen burner? I don't think so. For him to be suspended for it, it had to be an act where he purposely did this. If it was an accident, they wouldn't have suspended him. And no one seems to dispute that he said that on fire. Um, but, like, he didn't go on to set on all these other fires. Like, I don't know. I definitely think he's guilty. I just don't. 
think that he has like as much as people think that he has. He's definitely narcissistic, though. I think he's more narcissistic than sociopathic. Okay. I think it's everything, and I'm I, I, and I'm trying to and I'm trying to compare because I remember it, when Meredith went with uh, Roberta to his to her podcast. I think she was talking about uh, Stephen Avery, who was also an animal killer, and and who you know, well, the fire we all know about the fire and stuff. So, like in comparison, it's it's. I mean, I don't know if Stephen Avery was called a sociopath as well, but but the the oh, conducts are very very. The conducts are similar. It's, it's extremely nuanced, the difference between these. They overlap in a way. My husband, one of his best friends, is a psychiatrist. And then I also go to one, not his friends. But um, we talk about these things because I'm always talking about my true crime stuff. And people love to throw around words like narcissist, sociopath, psychopath. Um, borderline personality disorder, um, gaslighting, that's one everyone loves to use. And a lot, like, they're really not using them in the right way, hardly ever. And it's so, it's so, each disorder is so nuanced and they almost all look the same that it's really hard well, not really. Um, even even is having external stimulus, which he was reporting, but I don't believe they're saying throughout his mental health history he has conduct disorder. That's but it what is a sociopathic I mean, for eighteen. So I'm basing I mean, it on the physician's diagnosis, not my I mean, own. I'm basing it on a million physicians that I've talked to. Over no, 25 years. Like, I'm looking at what the psychologist said specifically about what their diagnosis for him was. And they're all saying. I'm saying that it's hard to diagnose, to get the correct diagnosis. And then it's even harder to get the correct treatment and the correct med- medications, doses, and, and mixture to get it all worked out. It can take a very long time. You think that this was just a depressed teenage boy? No. So you think that there was something more than just depression going on with this child? Yes. All right. His, I read through his entire mental health history. They believe he's a liar. He lies about what symptoms. As did I. Um, And I think think the issue, Meredith, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you, but I can see, I think with Nicole, in her field, the label is not as easily applied for her as it would be for you or for me or anybody in the lay community. I agree. Well, I, work with I, I think he's got, uh, you know, I think he has got some issues. I don't think he cares about anybody but himself. Um, and, and I, all of I those think symptoms he, overlap. It's very nuanced. Yeah, but there, and that's that's a good point too. So I think that's only you know Nicole's just hesitant to snap the sociopath label on right. any well, of them. Right. I'm not. This is not based on my own opinion. This is based on what the psychologist and a number of them state his diagnosis is. So. 
they, di- I, they diagnosed him as a sociopath. I know he con- put it on his with own conduct disorder. disability. Huh? Uh, with conduct disorder and depression. That seems to be the consensus. Most don't think he actually has um, external stimuli where he's, he, he's hearing voices. He, they think he's lying about that. Um, they all right, believe so conduct disorder and, isn't sociopathy. It's more like opposition disorder. I could tell you, in New York State, when we diagnose a child with conduct disorder, that sociopathic tendencies, and we can't label them a sociopath before 18, so we give them conduct disorder. These are the children that don't have empathy when they're, you know, most most children, when they see a puppy that broke its leg, it'll feel badly for it. This is a small group of children. I lived that in New York. I lived in New York, too, for 25 years. I, I'm just saying that in New York, that's how we use conduct disorder. We we won't label minors sociopaths, but we need to give them a label for sociopathic tendencies. And when they're 18, in, in this whole true crime explosion with podcasts and everyone and their mother loves true crime now, like I've loved it my whole life, and I'm sure you have too. We've all talked about how we all started with it 30 years ago and a lot of people are just jumping on the bandwagon now there's an awful lot of misinformation out there and all of these words are getting tossed around in the wrong way well i have a master's degree in adolescent psychology um so i'm I'm very familiar about you i i mean and i'm very confident in that the psychologists who are diagnosing him are very well educated and know what they're doing. So for me to disagree with a psychologist diagnosis, I have to have reasoning behind that. And I don't have that here. If that makes sense. Okay. Well, you just totally steamrolled over my point because that wasn't even what I was talking about. What I was saying is that with this true crime boom and all of these people doing podcasts and all these people doing these groups on Facebook and Reddit and talking about it everyone all of a sudden is a an investigator everyone's a doctor everyone's a psychiatrist everyone knows everything about everything but there's an awful lot of words getting thrown around in the incorrect context and they're wrong and it can be really hurtful to the person and it's dangerous. Like if you are not, um, you know, if you don't have that, if you're not a psychiatrist, like you don't need to be saying that stuff. I'm not saying you, I'm saying general public, you and perpetuating that message. Like that's not your place. You don't diagnose people from across the world and if you don't really know the person and you've never studied for 12 years, all kinds, you know, you didn't do your medical school and residency in psych and then fellowship and, you know, child psych or whatever, then you don't, you know, you probably aren't the best person to be calling someone right. a psychopath. I agree. Or whatever. Um, like, that's why I that's think we a, need to rely on the, the psychologists yeah. and doctors that sat down with him and we need to trust their judgment because we never actually sat down with them. Um, right. And 
this is what they're saying. Um, and they give their reasoning behind it, and it seems to make sense. Um, you know, and that's and that's five hundred and nine pages of it. I'm gonna make this a PDF, right. and I'm gonna send it to everyone. Well, and I, I, I just, I, I'm think, trying to go like one by one, and it's impossible. But I still yeah. think at the at the end of the five hundred, the final diagnosis wasn't written as sociopath by the doctors. It was written as sociopath by Damien to try to get those checks. No, they don't use the word sociopath because he's a minor. He uses, he, I'm not talking about, he, um, he lists himself as homicidal, psychopathic. His diagnosis of himself is irrelevant. Um, I know, you know, and and at that point, he did all of that. He did that to lie and act like a jackass so he could get money so he didn't have to work. Oh, well, when you look at the dates on that, the therapist, he tells the therapist the, the week before that, my mother thinks I should go on disability. What do you think? And then the following week or a couple weeks after is when he fills out that questionnaire where he's homicidal, um, suicidal, and a whole bunch of other things. So that's all BS. I think we're all yeah. He like he's he's cunning right. and he likes to work the system. And the doctor knows the doctors all know that that he's manipulative. He has, um, you know, that essentially he's a liar, um, and that when you doctor look at the time. When you look at the times he claims he hears and sees things, there's always something else going on and a motivation for him to say that. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I just saw right. that one and I closed it. Ooh. You know, I, I'm one of the few that don't believe that he really saw Rosie and heard Rosie. Um, oh, me that, neither. Me that neither. was a letter totally written to an attorney during the sentencing hearing. So he's trying to get out of... The death penalty with that letter. Um, I he thought he playing crazy. No, he thought playing crazy was going to get him out of yeah. the capital and murder also, trial altogether. Yeah. He likes to play games. That was yeah. that he was the reason for the uh, suicide attempt. Well, mm-hmm. he constantly pretends to commit, wanted to commit suicide to be moved. Usually, he does it because he wants to be moved to a different facility. Mm-hmm. Like uh-huh. um, it seems that he claims to be suicidal after he gets arrested and put into jail. And at least twice he then claims he's suicidal because he wants the condi- conditions in a mental hospital are nicer. So yeah. he threatens suicide when he's arrested before this, and then he gets put into a mental facility. And then right when he's arrested for this crime, he then does the small bit with the antidepressants claiming he's suicidal because he wants to then go to a mental facility. Mm-hmm. He really doesn't like jail, but that unfortunately was unsuccessful. Right, but actually the mental, the mental facilities are nicer than jail. I'd rather be there, too. You oh, know, I get it. Just do some I 100% get it. And some crafts and yeah. like glasses. Well, and, but like it's that. also confidence. Oh. It's also no, confidence to stand trial. And, um, well, and it's... Because he was never tried on the other charges. What do, what, what are we what the the charge in in ninety two he was never tried or convicted um, oh, what charge? the one where he's arrested for the girlfriend mm-hmm. that one I think he entered some kind of plea, and that's how he came to be under probation, but probation uh, for, like, he didn't do any around the minor 
Yeah, he seems, and, and the doctor. And I well, I think that. they also were in a a vacant trailer, so it was yeah. burglary. Yeah. Well, they were very much in love, those two. So uh, <laughs> where yeah. else would you go? But I, I, memory serves, his original plan was to go down to the sewers with her and live oh, a happy life. Right. In love, that's <laughs> the sewer. Then she talked <laughs> him out of that, and then they went to the abandoned, broken-down trail. So she did have some sense to say, no, I'm not sure the sewers is really where our love is going to blossom. So they went to a broken-down trailer, and they were found half-naked in there and arrested. And his, her father went with the police, and he threatened to kill the father. Um, it's all very interesting, but the doctors know whenever he wants something, he wants to change where he is or he wants to get out of trouble, that he claims he has more mental issues than he has. Yes. Right. And Right. Yeah. So I don't think the only time he actually claims to have visions and hear things, he has a reason of doing so. And it's either to get out of trouble or to move facilities. So I don't think that's a legitimate claim. I don't even think he ever told anybody about Rosie. Oh, he did the the one counselor. He wrote the letter. Settles. In his journal. Yeah. Yeah. And the it, glory it, settles, yeah. The Rosie and didn't letter, Rosie take letter him on, on a horse? Didn't they ride on a horse that night? Out something wherever? with Kool-Aid. He was gaining strength yeah. from Kool-Aid and sugar, preparing yeah. for yeah. his and when you read transformation. That, yeah, the transformation. But then you you sit here and if, a, if someone is that removed and detached from reality, there's no way he could have testified in court that clearly. You or just he was can't. The best troll ever. What do you think? If someone's eating Kool-Aid because they believe they're becoming the Messiah, you can't be on the stand for two days and look to be, appear to be completely normal. At that, you just right, wouldn't, you wouldn't why, be able to because you're in a mental break. Why, you believe you're becoming the Messiah. You would have mentioned that during one of the questions. But right, which is why almost, I think he's a troll. He loves to troll. Oh, yeah, he's. Well, and the doctors know that throughout his history, that he will lie about mental disorders and make them sound worse than he is in order to gain something and manipulate the people around him. And what makes yeah, him the like, biggest bag ever is when he gets arrested for this crime, he calls his mother and says, I'm going to kill myself, I'm going to kill myself. That's what he's telling his mother because he wants, and he said, you need to get me out of here and move me to another facility. Mm-hmm. How can you do that to your mother? You know, I could understand wanting to go to a nicer facility, but you're telling your mother you're going to kill yourself unless she does it. And that's sociopathic behavior where I care so little about you, my mother, that I'm going to make you believe I'm going to kill myself unless you get me to another facility. Like most kids that age wouldn't want to scare their mother. Well, I think that's that's more along the lines of a narcissist. And I remember yeah. in Paradise Lost too. There's a scene where he's calling in, and Kathy and Burke and somebody else are are there, and the mom's there, and um, you know he he says something like, "I didn't call so you could cry." Yes. 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 And, and he, I'm like, and you mother. Like you didn't want anyone else to have any attention or have any feelings but him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. most boys yeah. that age, they really don't want to upset their mothers. And normally when they're in 
a facility or jail, they say, oh, I'm doing okay, I'll be fine. I, I Very few would say, well, I don't want to hear you crying. I couldn't care less about you. This is about me. And it, well, now, more than- y'all, y'all need to read the affidavit from George Woods that was filed as part of one of his post-conviction claims. Let me write this down. Uh, in about 2001, 2002. What does it say? Oh, that he's crazy as a shithouse rat and and was at the time of his trial not competent to be tried. <laughs> and who, what was his relationship to the entire him? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, well, that's one of those paid experts. Yeah. You know, I could... So. Pay an expert to say that I'm a monkey. It doesn't mean I am. But if it helps my yeah. defense. <clears throat> yeah, and bananas all day. I and, think and he definitely. People. His stepfather right, wrote a letter. Mary, I'm sorry, hon? I stand corrected because I'm reading a little bit more. I think he definitely has more qualities of a sociopath, but also quite a bit of a psychopath. So they overlap. You're right. But you're right. with the you're conduct right. you're disorder. Right. Exhibit 502? What? I'm sorry? Are you reading the 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 five the exhibit 502? Uh, Nicole? No, right I'm now? in one of my I'm in one one of my nursing psych books. Oh. Oh. And well, and the okay. other thing is He's a pathological liar. So the mm-hmm. doctors all have a hard time figuring out exactly what's going on with him because he's a pathological liar. What's interesting, though, is this is an interesting incident. He has no motivation to do this, but when he's in the mental facility, a kid had split his wrist, and Damien went over and started sucking the blood from Licking his wrist. His and blood. It, the kid almost was going to press charges against him because it was assault. Um, and there is no that was um, in the ju- that was in the juvenile facility, not the mental. Yeah, I think so that was what he did. He did the that to get put. Little Rock. Um, no, I don't think that happened in Charter. That happened in lockup in the juvenile facility, and then he went to Charter. Yes. You're absolutely right. It was not remorseful. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was wrong. Yeah, no, he did that to get to the mental hospital. Sorry. Correct. Do you guys That's okay. what you think? Like, what's, what's your honest opinion? Do you think that those three went out there just to hang out and drink? Or do you think they really did go out there to see who might come along that they could beat up? <clears throat> I personally I think-, think that they... They went out there. I think Eccles and Baldwin had been thinking about it. And the boys just happened across their path, and so they they went with it. I I think it just got out of hand. Mm -hmm. I think that they, the boys came up, and it was, I don't think they knew the boys would be there. I think they were just sitting there hanging out. The three boys came up, and it got out of control. Um, like they just started roughing them up and then punching them. And yeah, and I, I think and it went too possible, far. Hit them a little too hard. It's possible that Chris or down. Steve or Michael 
offered some resistance that made them angry. And I have a feeling and that they all somebody three did were something. Hella angry. Yeah, and it just went. They did something where they were past the point of no return. Mm-hmm. Where one of the boys got yeah. really, really hurt, and then that—that's no my sudden thing. I, yeah, y'all. I have always wondered because of Aaron Hutchison, maybe they, the, maybe Chris, Michael, and Steve knew who Miss Kelly was. That could be that poor kid. What do you and think so, he actually saw, if anything? Aaron, I think he saw. I think he's yeah. not good at expressing himself, and he's not articulate. But I think pretty much what he described in his confession was probably, uh, you know, that's the best that he could do. He wasn't articulate. He's not going to be able to give a good. Um, so you really think he saw articulate some of expression of what he saw? He's what he perceived as he perceived it. I always just in thought he, he never was even there. Like he did not see it, and he wasn't there. He was with his mom somewhere. Like I thought he was just pretending, just trying to tell himself pretending. Because, because no, if you, Aaron. you know, he's a six-year-old. He was oh, there. Aaron. Okay. Great. No, I, I don't think he was there. I think he perhaps had some issues because I think the that Chris, Michael, and Steve invited him along, and he wanted to go, and his mother wouldn't let him. And then when something bad happened, he kind of fantasized. Do you think? Mm-hmm. And then I think his mom also kind of. Fire? Hmm. Do you think he saw, like, you know how he spoke about, like, the orgies and a number of things? Do you think that they witnessed anything like that before this? I think maybe they had. Some of the teenagers were going in there, and and I know when I was uh, first living up in, in Marion and going to West Memphis, talking to some of the neighbors that lived near there, and, you know, the police officer who was guarding the entrance to the woods in 93 said a lot of witnesses came up and said, people are doing strange things in the woods. Hobos are in the woods. You know, I I think the kids may have seen something. Uh, Not necessarily Echoes Baldwin and Miss Kelly, but other teenagers. I definitely do not think that they saw Terry and David and LG and whoever else. Wrestling and how right, sex. no, what no. A, what a moronic story! I have never heard a more absurd story in my entire life. Why, if oh, half of them are adults, why not just do that at the house then? Why would you go know, into the middle like, of the woods or go get right. like, a cheap hotel a room? Fairly... Oh, let's go get some pot and go wrestle in the woods and then have sex. Yeah, <laughs> like nobody yeah. does I that. People's homes and backyards as adults. I just can't imagine a world where, and and people would walk into that. I just don't think that. I think that's absurd. Me too. Yeah. I also think that if so. the stepfathers wanted to do it, they would have done it in their own in an easier way. So if Mark wanted to do it to Christopher, he could have gotten him. Same with Terry. Like 
Correct. I don't, oh, well, I don't think they would I have. Think... They had access to Chris and Steve when Michael and the other other child were not around. Well, right. my problem Correct. with the Terry Hobbs That's thing what I've is, always thought. They claim that he's running around, he's so enraged with his stepson, but he takes a break from being enraged to go play guitars for an hour. That's how mad he is. If anything, yeah. I don't think he really looked that hard to find him. I think he was just hanging out with his friend and was like, I really should go look for him. I'll do it later. He'll come back. But yeah. I think he really thought he was just going to come back, come home. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that I is until it, you know, like when I interviewed Terry and Vicky, um, and, and Mark Byers had said this to me years ago as well. They didn't really get too worried until it started getting dark. Because when it started getting dark, when the street lights were coming on, that's when the boys all knew they're supposed to be home. Yeah, so like an hour after that, they had to be freaking. Right. Correct. It was a different time as well. I mean, in the the 90s, you you had more freedom. When you were, when we were younger and they were younger, I mean, it wasn't like right now that the kids don't go out at all at any yeah. time. When I was like eight, nine, ten, I used to play with the neighborhood kids, and then when it got dark, we would go home. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That was normal. Now right. my eleven-year-old, yep. I I ha- I don't let my le- my eleven-year-old ride his bike outside unless I'm out there watching him. I know that's a helicopter parent, but I can't have any more. I did IVF four times. I was pregnant with triplets and lost two, and I am a helicopter parent because of it. I'm so sorry Um, to hear that. And this day and age, unfortunately, times have changed. I mean, I'm a a child of the 70s and the early 80s. I mean, I came Um, home from school as, as... in like fourth grade with a key and waited for my parents uh-huh. to get home at six o'clock. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I think in the eighties, nineties, they really didn't know what pedophiles were. Right. Like that wasn't as well or, known as it is now. Or, or they didn't get kidnapped or there weren't that many cars on the streets. Simple stuff like that. I mean, there weren't that, I mean, you, you weren't afraid you were going to run over because there weren't that many cars on the streets. No more traffic. No, no many. I don't know. You knew the people right. from your neighbor. And so it was totally different. There, there's a funny story. Some of the two boys that were, lived in my neighborhood, this was in like 1979, 1980, and they would either have to go find somewhere else to sleep and get home before their dad got up in the next morning, or they'd really? have to stay in the backyard all night. Wow. How old were they? Oh, my God. They were, uh, we were teenagers. They were in high school. And what okay. year was this? This was like in 79, 80, 81. Yeah, I don't know if that I can picture my grandparents it. doing that. Like to my my mom dad, and uncle. I think that was. I had a friend in high school that if she wasn't home, I remember being a senior in high school. If she wasn't home by twelve, the door was locked, and she couldn't come back till the mm-hmm. morning. And I remember thinking, Correct. 
that's a horrible idea. Like, where's your – you're sending your 17-year-old child, who's a girl, into the streets hoping to find a place to sleep. <laughs> well, now, they, these were boys. I, I don't think they did that with their daughters. It was it was but a that, thing. I that think was it was just, just horrible. Uh, it was it was a, it was you know, we didn't worry you know about them getting time. kidnapped. But you know what? There's also, yeah. I would never do that to my son, but there's also a lot to be said for that kind of punishment because kids were more respectful back then. They knew parents weren't effing yeah. around. There was no back mm-hmm. talk. There was no, you know, negotiating. And what you said, go. What, you know? And yeah. It's like parents don't have that now. Like, even my son at 11, it's always a negotiation, everything. And I keep trying to tell him each time, this, you don't get, you don't get a choice in this. This is not, this is not a discussion. Right. I'm telling you to do this something. This is not a democracy. <laughs> Right. It's like infuriating. This is a dictatorship, child. Much more <laughs> when you want to make the say. rules, you go pay your own rent. And for us, the funniest thing was seeing these two teenage boys jump up. <laughs> we, would, we could never go where they couldn't see their house. And to see them jump up and haul ass down the street. Well, yeah. To get to that door was That's the good parenting. best thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I would and, definitely be home on time if that was a consequence, if I was asleep yeah. in the backyard. And, and in spite of the fact that they couldn't get in, if they were not home by the time their dad got up the next morning, they had hell to pay. Oh, jeez. I bet they were, they were in most of why, the time. And that's why they 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 watch they stayed close to their house. They watched, and it's like the light, and up they go. <laughs> Is there a lot of animals by you? No, I'm in I'm in New Orleans. I'm in the city. Oh, okay. Because I'm thinking, what kind of neighborhood we, animals would be? That would terrify me <laughs> if I couldn't go in the house. I'd be home. They were See, like you know you know how the I old, want to the evidence, with raccoons all night. You know how the evidence was so unbelievably over like it was there was so much of it it was overkill it was like absolutely impossible to think anything else happened with OJ Nicole and Ron if you mm-hmm. understood DNA now back then you know, people understand it way better now, but they didn't back then. And then, you know, all the Rodney King stuff and everything. It would be a totally different outcome. But um, what do you think, how many other, like, what other cases do you believe in, like, almost 100%, like O.J.? that the person definitely did it. Casey Anthony. Yeah. You think it was an accident, but she just covered it up? Like she drowned in the pool? You know, I kind of, I waffle on that. Sometimes I think maybe it was an accident. Maybe she wanted to go spend the night with the boyfriend. She didn't want to leave the uh, Kaylee at her mother's. 
because she was mad at her mother. And so she left her in the car. It's June in Florida. Um, nice hot and car. Kaylee died, and then she covered it up. But sometimes I think she wanted to get back at her mother. Her mother was going to take custody of Kaylee, or was threatening to. Mm-hmm. And oh, so you know to I get back at that? her mother, she she killed her. Mm-hmm. But I waffle on those two things. But do you think that the jury got it right because there wasn't beyond reasonable doubt proof? No, I don't because uh, the jury was given options other than first of, degree of less, or capital murder. Sentences. Yeah. They were given so death as a taken one neglect. Of, yeah, they should have taken some of those instead. And they, they could think it have was found her guilty one. of that. And also mm-hmm. the other problem that I have is that they found her guilty of lying to the police. Yeah. How can you find her guilty of lying to the police but not believe that those lies were to cover up criminal her, conduct? That whole story. Yeah. Well, this is interesting, too, that after on their, they did a computer search, and you know how there's, like, Firefox and then Google Chrome, there's two yes. search engines? I watched They only that. search one of them, not the other. And right. um, the defense's book, the defense lawyer wrote a book, and on the other search engine, like, right before this happened was foolproof suffocation. Yeah. And had they... The prosecutor said, had we known this at trial, she would have been convicted. Because how right. else can you justify the search of foolproof suffocation if that's what wasn't what your intent was? Right. And it was on Casey's ID, not anybody else's. Yes, it was when, for if memory serves, that um, it yeah. was only when Casey was home. So, and how that did was they miss that? Because their computer tech only searched one of the search engines, like the Google Chrome one, and didn't look up the Motorola Firefox. And had uh, they done that, they didn't look at the other search engine at all. And after, but the defense found it. That's what I think it was. The defense knew yeah. about it. The prosecutor never knew about it. But when her lawyer wrote a book, whenever, he released that information. And the prosecution was enraged that th- that their tech made such a huge mistake because had they had that one search, she would have been convicted. Yeah. Although the 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 bias has tried to put that on George. I, what they did to that poor man is. It's awful. What she did to her it's own so father, mean. It's so it's mean. Really just she accused him of molesting her. Who does that? It makes me want. It makes me want to cry. It's it's horrific yeah. what she did to her own father. They have a very weird family dynamic. Those people are sick. Like Cindy Correct. is like crazy weird. I I sort and, of get the urge of wanting to protect your child, but I don't get the urge of wanting to accuse your father of molesting you as a child, just as a, a, a possible. And he and her attorney only brought that up in the opening, and never talked about it again. Right. So, yeah, that was some bullshit. There was no. How do you do that to your father? Right. And he sat in the back. Yeah. Just, how do you do that? Really, just yeah. The jurors are expecting to hear this, and then they never hear it. He just put it out there. Correct. Put it in their ears. And, 
And usually when something like that happens, that leads to a conviction of the top count. Yeah, I I don't why even say that? But what not that for Casey. I I didn't really get that defense. <laughs> Where why even say that? Well, that was how they were trying to explain her propensity for lying. Mhm. And I think Cindy's that shit crazy because of George and uh, Casey because George is a degenerate gambler Mm -hmm. and has put her through the ringer. Um, And Casey was a liar. Hell on wheels. Yeah. And a thief and hell on wheels. And a whore at an early age. Uh, Yeah. You know. So they could have just Cindy, said that she didn't want. Cindy has reason. Cindy should have walked away, taken leave, and said she's your problem. Yeah, you know. Cindy's a narcissist, I think. I think probably. she was just lost. I think she just didn't know what to do. And her first instinct was to protect her child. But, you know, you see little glimpses come out where you see her being more of a caring grandmother, but then just resorts back to trying to protect her own, her own child. I mean, that's gotta be a tough situation. She didn't want to believe that Casey did it. Yeah. And I I think she was in denial and I think that she knew, but as a mother, your job is to protect your child. And I think that, you know, she's between protecting your child and protecting her grandchild. There's no win for her. Right. Right. And her grandchild was dead. So there yeah. was no protecting Kaylee. You know, I I think that's an impossible situation. Yeah. So, but and, uh, uh, it it's a shame, and I hope Casey, Casey Casey never has another went, one. Casey went and lived a pretty low key life up until just recently, and she still isn't all over the papers and everything the way Damien and Jason are all the time. They are media whores. Mm-hmm. Like, they are so bad. And Amanda Knox. Like, Casey just, like, slithered away, and at least she had the wherewithal to know, like, everyone hated her. Well, I and think that's that she the doesn't reason, have a see, fan club. She doesn't write. She doesn't have, every time she comes out with something, the backlash against her is... Phenomenal. <laughs> like even Jody Arias. And so has even a though she's got film. her star, her little story, she knows nobody's buying it. Right. I I think she's the most hated person in the, in America. Because even Jody cool. Arias has a thick little fan club, but there is no fan club for Casey Anthony. Whenever she's even like a like rises in a store, people just scream at her. So she has no other choice mm-hmm. but to live in exile. Oh my God. I don't Thank mean to God. laugh, but can you imagine being in a store and she walks in and everyone just starts screaming at her? I don't yeah, think I, I think would it, scream I think that her. happens every time she goes out. I mean, I, I, think that... I hate her too, but I wouldn't do that. That's just oh, I mean, no, I probably wouldn't. I, but if I she asked me be... where something was, I would ignore her. But I think uh, yeah, half the yeah. population is that crazy where they have no problem yeah. saying what they want. And I think wherever she goes, she probably just gets attacked. And, okay, you know, so I have a, you know, I have a confession to make. 
Is Addie still here? Addie? Yeah, Addie? I'm still here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just reading all the transcripts. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm like really, to, really into it. I'm sorry. I'm about to make mm-hmm. a confession. And you Uh-oh. already Confess. know it. You know, you oh, already yeah, know it. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know. I know what you're talking okay. about. Go ahead. Um, I don't, like, I hardly tell anybody this, except for my closest family and friends. Um, but because We're going to be airing this, do, Nicole. Nicole. Are you sure you want to let people know about this? Oh, wait. Yeah, can we do it yeah, off I don't air? Want, can we end the call and do it off air? Yeah. Well, okay. let's do it on the chat because when we end the no, call, we, 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 we all go our separate talk. way. But we need to be able to talk, We're so we need to, to do a four-way call. What? Okay. We okay. need to do a four-way yeah. call. We can do a four-way call. Yeah, that's the word. Okay. Yeah. Let, me, uh, let me do yeah. the outro. I think we need to wrap this up. It's been... Really hey, I great, but I don't want to get cut off again. Can I bring All up right, two yeah. things? Thank you so much, everyone. Sure. Okay. Um, Central Park Five, the we, how when they see us, that show is like heartbreaking and gripping and so biased, and they did a really good job on fictional tell the story. Um, I have and read fictional. the other stuff that. Meredith did, so I still think that they are probably guilty. But that show, they did well. Then, um, number two, the Khalif Browder story. Has that, has that has anyone ever heard of that or watched it? Yes. No. I have. It's an interesting. You should do a podcast on it, or somebody should. Roberta or Lisa or someone. Police Browder, the more or less of it was they accused him of stealing a backpack and it had something of value in it that was $500 or more. He was charged with the crime and he was 15 and his bail was something like $300 or $700 where the family didn't have the money. So he was kept in Rikers for three years, mainly in solitary confinement. And after three years, they dismissed the charges. And then when he got out, okay. he because he kept in solitary confinement for so long, he developed a number of mental issues and ultimately killed himself. So he's a picture of what's wrong with our justice system. You know, had this and kid he, come from a little bit more money, he wouldn't have been in Rikers for three years over stealing a book bag with a five hundred dollar item. They have there's there's all footage inside the jail. Like he got beat the shit out of like every night. It was just it's awful. It's so sad, and it's all told in like he he's told. I didn't finish it, so he's talking in the beginning of it. I didn't know he killed himself. Okay, I I'll have to look so, into that because I would I would wonder why he didn't go to trial. On the charges within nine to twelve months. Trial, yeah. He didn't get his right to a speedy trial. How could they just was it also public defenders? Yeah, probably. Was it also public defenders? Mm Mhm. Yeah, his his public defenders sure dropped the ball. No doubt about it. Yeah, was it's it's a case they're looking at now where because on day three sixty six. 
he hadn't been tried, the public defender's office should have moved to have it dismissed. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was something where it's, it's a good case to look at if you for the criminal justice system. Like, if had that kid come from a little bit more money, his family could afford the bail. And the prosecution just kept delaying the, the kid trial because they didn't have any evidence. So it was just a good picture of the failure of, of part of our justice system. It's interesting. It's right. looking as everyone I'll have to look at, like I said, I'll have to look into that, too. So it's on Netflix. Because everyone always thinks that because we're guilty. New York, doesn't New York City have a juvenile facility? It was a juvenile facility in Rikers, which apparently is worse than the adult facility. <laughs> oh, okay. It's, and, um, man, what okay. they did to Corey Wise. Gang. What, what they did to Corey Wise and Rikers, oh, my God. I cry Yeah, Rikers is not great. Right, um, uh, Rikers is, is notoriously not great. Um, right. They're closing it, it right? Yeah. Um, they, well, they did a whole rehaul on it. it. It really, a number of bad things happened. The COs there were very corrupt, um, but a lot of people are looking at Rikers. They were talking about closing it. It's supposed to be closed, but they did a whole transformation on it where the stuff that used to go on doesn't go on anymore. And um, Police Browder was one of the reasons why people started looking at Rikers, so saying, how is this going on? And um, right. it's a terrible Well, I just, I just found it interesting because as guilters, you know, but, we don't we believe that Adnan's guilty, Amanda Knox, uh, you know, West Memphis Street, everyone says, all you guys think about is everybody's guilty. You never think there are wrongful convictions or anything's wrong with the system. Well, this is one that I think we can all agree on. This kid was absolutely brutalized and got such a shit end of the stick. It's not even let's funny. Say, it's despicable. Let's say he did steal a $500 book bag. How long should he have spent in jail for that? A month? You yeah. know, why would he be there for three years? So, all right. Yeah. Right, sorry. and that's, a, that's a multi, it's probably multi levels in the system. That oh, fails. It's not just it's not just the prosecutor. It's a it's a public defender. Yeah. The public defender, when he couldn't get out on three hundred dollar dollars bail, should have moved for a lower bail. Right, but the you know it it was a failure on all levels of the system. You know, where the, mm-hmm. the I mean, public defenders are so overwhelmed, they have a hundred cases where this just slipped by them. And and uh, the one good thing know, about it was it made them look at Rikers and say, what's going on here? What's going on in our system? Because that was just a huge failure. Right. But, and, and there are a lot Central of things Park like the five case is pretty interesting. Um, I, I can't, can't watch that, that though. Cause I, it's fictional. It's fictional. It's, when you've got actors a, and actresses like, portraying oh, the people, yeah. but it, it, it's, 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 it's fictional. Based. I mean, it's, a, I no, mean, it's good enough. It was exactly very based. well based. Based. It was very well made. I mean, but I was doubting they, myself. I was looking. I was like, this can't be. This can't be. I had a knot they, in my stomach. It they was, didn't have really Linda well Fairstein made. screen it and say, did you say this? Did you do this? Did this happen? And yet, from what I understand, they portray her as knowing these kids were were innocent and going ahead with the prosecution anyway. No, she. I thought. Even though that's not what that's not how it went down. She thought they were guilty the whole time in the movie. 
the movie yeah. I found out is very unac- inaccurate. And it's no, probably yeah. the I mean, most biased. Of course they're going to take dramatic license. I'm just saying it's it's a pretty good movie based on oh, it. I, and listen, I am not against these documentaries that are entertaining. I have absolute. I love Paradise Lost and Making a Murderer. I've watched Making a Murderer 50 times. It's just not that accurate, but it's very entertaining. Yeah. Oh, I love them. I think they're great to watch. Right. And I love to be bamboozled. I love watching them. This is the first one that was bamboozled. Lisa, since you're the expert, what's going on with McDonald's? Where are we with him? Well, I'm, guys, I'm very sorry. He, I just have to run out, but I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. Okay. Thanks, Meredith. Thanks, Meredith. Bye, Adi. I'll talk to you guys Bye. soon. Have a good day. Yeah. yeah. Um, he apparently, and I, I don't have confirmation on this, apparently he had his deadline to submit a writ to the U.S. Supreme Court was in the toward the end of May. A writ was of submitted, but it was rejected. Pardon? Certiorari or habeas? Uh, certiorari. To review okay. the Fourth Circuit's denial. Or mm-hmm. the the denial of his new trial and the affirmance by the Fourth Circuit. The brief was rejected and sent to be corrected, which means the corrected brief must be filed by July, I think it's July 24th or 25th. If a corrected brief is not filed by that date, then he can't he can't request a writ and he's done until he comes so up with just... new bullshit. I mean, can he die already? How frig old is he? These murders happened in seventy. That's fifty years ago. No, six. Uh, no, nineteen seventy. Okay, so. What what was that? Seventy, eighty, ninety. What what is that? Fifty years ago? Yeah. Forty, forty nine years. Mhm. It'll be fifty years next year. He is seventy five. He'll be seventy six in October. He has had a stroke, but. He's still clinging, and his mom uh, his mom lived into her nineties. I can't believe that he is still alive and gets to outlive Colette and his kids and is still maintaining he did not do it. What a piece of garbage yes, I totally agree wow. with that um and you know once the writ is filed, but yeah he he never had sufficient evidence. And, you know, that's another case of generally it's court of public opinion that frames the narrative when, you know, the the actual evidence against him is a hell of a lot stronger than mm-hmm. he wants to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. And the majority of his evidence is based on his own self-serving statements, which mm-hmm. don't even agree with the confessions allegedly made by the, quote, real killers. Yeah. That's another public opinion case that tries me. (laughs) Yeah, it's very upsetting. I just wish that he would die so she could get some peace. 
her family gets some peace. It just doesn't yeah, seem well, that he lives that long. Her only survivor is her brother and sister-in-law. Yeah, and they keep up that website. Yeah. Um, so, and and his little wife's website uh, is no longer out there spreading the propaganda, although you can find it on Web Archive. Oh. Yeah. I just started reading... The I just started listening to the Cold podcast about the Susan Cox Powell. Uh, okay. Missing, you know about them? Yeah, that's the one. The the Josh husband Powell blew took, up the house. Yeah, he took her out. The father-in-law the and, was yep. peeping on her, and she disappeared yep. in Utah. Yep. And yeah. there was a custody issue with the boys. Podcast. Yeah. And then Broken Heart about the Hart family, the two women that adopted the five black kids and drove them off a cliff in California, killed them all. Okay. All right. That's a really good podcast, too. And then Kim Goldman's podcast is good, too. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't listened to that one yet. Um, I tend to... When I have a topic coming up, I tend to look for podcasts just to listen to them and see what other people have done or what other people have said or what their take has been. And so that kind of – and then I listen to Sam, of course. Do you think you could do one on um, Ryan Ferguson? I don't know that mine would be very popular because I do not buy Zellner's. Stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I think that yeah, he and he and Charles Erickson have always been guilty and will always be guilty. And he just got lucky that uh, she was able to pull the rules over the Missouri court. All the time, we're so stumped. We both think like, oh my god, he's not guilty. But then we're like, but he has to be because of all of this other stuff. Like we just cannot uh-huh. decide. We go back and forth. Um, yeah. And I think in I think in reality, he wasn't really factually or legally exonerated. He was also his conviction was vacated on a technicality. But I, I would oh. have to read the reread the opinions. I may do that at some point because um, I'm going to be taking that's... some a couple of Zellner's other cases. And looking at those, the Melgar case, um, the the brief went back from the state, and it's kind of damning for her because of those computer searches. So right, hopefully right that will keep her where she belongs. But yeah. I hear that Bob is getting another TV show after he does. He's already West got West Memphis Three. And he's doing another oh, yeah. one after that. Mm-hmm. Really? After the other I don't one? understand how people think he's cool or credible or like anything. Can you edit that part out? Um, no, I, I'm not editing <laughs> this, and and it's true. I agree. Like I don't understand. There's not one bit of experience or like, you know, long term 
going to seminars and classes and staying up on the latest techniques and or ever being a cop or an investigator or, or anything, mm-hmm. going to school for the FBI. Like, that would be like me. I'm a nurse just one day deciding that I'm going to go to work and start building houses, and I'll just yeah. wing it. Yeah. Or you're, then, you're in charge of security at your hospital. And then they just get TV shows. Like, wow, it's that easy to do? I don't. I, I don't. I don't have any desire for that anyway. That's the funny part. I don't part, either. Is that we're always accused of just wanting attention, and yet we're not the ones, you know, jumping in front of the cameras every chance we get. Right. Yeah. Now I'm I am doing jealous. a podcast, but I fell into that. People are like, These and I, I found are I enjoy uh, it. No. Oh hell no! I am not <laughs> jealous. Like I have a beautiful life. I love my job. I love being a nurse. I love working with children. I'm not jealous at all. But I think it's comical mm-hmm. that someone can just all of a sudden hop on board and be like, whatever kind of job they want to do without actually doing any training for it. Correct. Like, oh, I'm just and we can have a difference of opinion. Today. That's yeah. the thing I don't understand. What are you afraid of? Okay. Why do you want to silence me? Yeah. Because I, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed. It's okay. If you, you can give your opinion. I mean, that's what podcasters and pages and everything is for. It's okay to give your opinion. And But what he does to me, it's very dangerous because he's really, really, I mean, he really thinks he can, like Nicole says, be an expert on something he's not. And he keeps saying, I'm not an expert and I'm, I'm not an expert, but I did read this, but I did know that. I do know, and, and that is pretty much dangerous. I mean, one of these uh-huh. days, one of his army is going to, I don't know, it's going to make something stupid. That's the dangerous part. Right. Someone's right. going to get a lot of people emotionally invested. Too emotionally invested. Some of the army, uh, the army fans are too emotionally invested, and that can be dangerous. That's what I think. I mean, I mean he can who the hell give talks his opinion about going, whatever he wants. going to walk? Going to walk a dog down the street where someone lives to try to get to talk to some potential suspect and see if maybe mm-hmm. they know anything about the murder of Jamie yeah. Melgar. That's stalking. Yeah. That's crossing the line. Come on. Right. But let those that's neighbors that's live their lives. That's bad. And let correct. me find out that's that he does, does it in my neighborhood because I will slap a lawsuit on him. Very reckless. Let him follow me. I'll slap a beat down on him. <laughs> okay. I'm just happy that so many more people have have learned. Like, the the truth is justice really did do a good job of um, educating a lot of people, and a lot of people are much more skeptical and um, considerate of what he says, and they. Mm-hmm. Try to find, you know, corroborating facts, and don't right. just I, go by what he says. So mission was accomplished. And that's you know that's the difference because I'll I'll send you 
I'll send you the opinion where I got this information from. I'll send you the brief. I'll send you the trial transcript. I have no problem mm-hmm. with that. But with with people like that, it's like, well, where did you see that? Um, I can't find it. I don't know where it is. Or I don't have mm-hmm. to send it to you. Mm-hmm. I don't have to prove. It's in the trial transcript. You know, you go find it. And I love how everybody thinks that when people are doing their direct appeal that they're innocent till proven guilty. That ship has sailed, buddy. It's guilty now. Well, it's a little bit of a technicality. Until your direct appeal is concluded. Oh, yeah, that's great. Then it's you, your conviction is not final. Um, there was a case many years ago, and we've we've got to wrap this up because Blog Talk is going to cut us off soon. Uh, but there was a case back in the, I think, late 80s where a guy killed several of his sons-in-law to get insurance money. He went to trial. He was convicted. He left the courthouse. He was on bond pending appeal. He killed himself, and so the charges were vacated. The conviction was vacated. I think with Aaron Hernandez, they tried to get his conviction vacated. And there was some arcane Massachusetts law that didn't permit that. Huh. So, and that's a topic that I'll I'll probably look into later in the year. Cool. Looking forward to it. But this is this has been wonderful. Uh, I don't want blog talk to cut us off again, like they did no. the first yeah. time. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to definitely try and plan another one at some later date, maybe at uh, after Labor Day. Yeah. And try and get everybody together to do this again, and we can on the on the chat. Let's plan a phone chat. Like maybe one evening during the week. Mhm. Um. After After Sounds Tuesday. Good. Yeah. All right. Thank you again yeah, for joining good. us. Um. Thank everybody, you so thank you for, for listening having us. I really enjoy. Oh, it. you're welcome. Thank you. You're thank welcome. You I can't wait to listen yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. I'll, and I hope Michael's. I'm gonna better. put. Thanks. I'm gonna put this up on the ninth. Okay. So this is a week from this Tuesday. Okay. You let us know. And then awesome. Anyway. Awesome. Okay. Yep. It was nice. Okay. Very nice talking to you guys as usual. Enjoy your evenings Thanks. or afternoons or wherever you live. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I think you. We all live in this side of the, of the planet. So, yes, it's going to be evening soon. Yeah, it's like 1 o'clock for me or something. Yeah. No. I oh, it's so much for me. We talked a lot. Me as well. That was fun. Yeah. We always talk a lot. Yeah. Okay. We could do, we well, could we're do girls. We never shut up. up. Exactly. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. I'm going to okay. do my outro. Okay. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this bonus episode of Clear and Convincing with Lisa O'Brien and Michael Conahan. If you like our show and want to know more, you can find us on Facebook. Go to our blog at Clear and Convincing Podcast. Dot wordpress.com or follow me on Twitter at O'Brien L. Ann. Thank you again to Brad Hicks for the amazing logo that he created when we launched Clear and Convincing. 
and to Adi for the impressive logo that she created for our Court of Public Opinion episodes. Join us on Tuesday, July 16th at 8 o'clock p.m. Central for Part 1 of State of Tennessee versus Sedley Alley. Alley was convicted of the July 12, 1985 sexual assault and murder of Marine Lance Corporal Suzanne Marie Collins in Millington, Tennessee. At the time of the murder, Allie was married to a service member and living on the base. Prior to Allie's execution in 2006, he sought post-conviction DNA testing, which was denied by both state and federal courts. Allie was executed on June 28, 2006 at the Riverbend Maximum Security Institution in Nashville. His case has again become part of the media when his daughter recently filed for post-execution DNA testing. In part one, we're going to talk about Lance Corporal Collins, Allie, the murder, the evidence against Allie at trial, and his initial direct appeal and post-conviction claims. Until then, everyone have a safe week. Stay safe. Good night.